Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of One for One. I'm your host, Nolan Schumann, joined as always by my co-host, Miles Fuchs. Miles, we are four games in. Four games into a haul, as you might say, as, you, as, as some people might say, a haul. A long truck driving haul. Oh, I thought it, I thought you were going H A. Ah, frick! I thought you were going H A L L, not H A U L. Oh, like my pal Taylor Hall. <laughs> Aha! Ah, it's ah. an Oilers podcast. It is. It is. How you um, doing? Good. How are you? Um, I'm 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 doing a lot better than I thought I was going to be doing at about uh, you know, if you would ask me like. 11:30 p.m. last night. I might have a different answer for you, but uh, that's 11 p. 11:30 Eastern. Yes, uh, yes. I'm, I'm. I'm doing. I'm. I'm doing pretty good today, all things considered. Just a little sleepy, but for the most part, the spirits are high. Oh, spirits I'm, are high. I'm very sleepy, but there's nothing. A little bit of coffee can't take care of. Nothing. A little coffee can't take care of. Hey, yeah. I think part of adulthood is just consistently being tired. Right? Am I right? Oh my my heavens! Of course, it's why people have bags under their eyes, and why the skin care, the why the skincare industry has has gone through the roof. If we're if we're if we're sitting here uh, talking adult speak, let, let, let's talk about the, let's talk about the the market efficiency, or would it be inefficiency? No, the market efficiency of the of the skin of the of of big skincare. Yeah, forget big tobacco. The real enemy is big skincare. Trying to get you to buy. Face masks and cleansers and your, your you know, seat to fill. Nothing a little, nothing a little cold water from the hose can't fix. Am I right? <laughs> Just clean those pores right out. Hose a, water. A little bit, a little bit of Irish spring on your face, and you'll be fine. Um, people were a lot better when we were drinking out of the hose, man. I think that society was a lot better when people were drinking out of the hose. Tell you that much for free, <laughs> dude. People were much better when. People were, I don't know where I'm going with this. When Anyways. you could drink out of the hose and, and kids would play in the parks and they didn't have cell phones. And you'd screaming. scuff your knee and things would just be infinitely worse in life without the incre- advancements in technology. I wish they'd never invented like painkillers. Like, you know, when you go to like an old, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like morphine and stuff. Like when you go to an old museum and they it shows you the doctor's office and they got the price list and it's like with, um, with painkillers or without and it's just like who i'm gonna get my arm set without painkillers for fucking 25 cents less that's that's when society was at its best you know what i think we should just get rid of cat scans and i think that we should go back to the good old days where x-rays and ct scans didn't exist Matt, you know, yeah to, to me too much don't. radiation out there yeah Fuck i think that. I- as I have lights on in my house and a TV and a computer, and I'm just sucking in the radiation. I carry a phone right next to my junk all day too. Just a model of health, dude. I used to use a laptop all the time, and now I don't. So What's, you know, changing the world one day at a time. One day at a time. This is a fucking weird opening. But you know what? It's been a weird. It's been a weird Oilers playoff so far. It has been a weird Oilers playoff. I had like a funny opener planned, but I kind of forgot it, and I kind of feeling self conscious about it now. So. I think we might as well just get rolling, and you know, maybe it'll come up later. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe I maybe. don't know. That sounds like it could be a pretty good idea. I don't know. Any hoosers? Uh, so if you've if you've stuck with us this long, good on you. If you haven't, well, check the timestamps because this is what we got planned for you. 
agenda. We're going to run through the four Oilers games, uh, kind of do them quick, like uh, uh, in case you missed it or on last week's episode, and then do a little bit bigger of a discussion of the series so far. Once we get through that, we're going to do a little bit of Baco Condors talk, just a little prospect check-in, make sure everybody's doing okay. And then after that, long-awaited, highly touted, Nolan is finally caught up on Love is Blind. So we're going to do a little episode, mid-episode breakdown of uh, Season 4 of Love is Blind before we get into the playoff update for the rest of the NHL uh, series that doesn't include the Oilers and Kings. So a lot of hockey, a lot of lib, a little bit of fun in between. What do you say about that? Huh? How do you feel about that little guy? I'm I'm very excited. I'm I'm ex- very excited to hear how much you just absolutely stand libs. Libs? libs. Yeah. 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 Speaking of libs, Plaxico <laughs> Burris? I don't know if he's lib or not. Uh, it's worth a Google. But Oilers open up the open up their 2022-23 postseason uh, with a game one bout versus the Los Angeles Kings and what I have entitled the Plaxico Burris of Hawk of of Oiler games, which was a four three L A Kings win in overtime last Tuesday. Uh, or sorry, Monday was it Monday? Yeah, Monday. Um, but you know what? Let's just get right to it. Is there anything better than Big Rob Clark letting the crowd sing Oh Canada" in the playoffs, Miles? Um, yeah, a few things, but not many, not as many as you'd think. Good. Because I got absolute chills (laughs) and I hope you did too. Um, and worth noting that the broadcast said Oilers versus Kings next and then burn it to the ground started playing. So that's chills times a million. Uh, you know, if you're wondering, uh, if you're, if you're, if you're wondering how that might equate, uh, to my original statement, uh, yeah, we, we absolutely love when, a strong Alberta team uses a strong Alberta band's uh, mighty song to open up their to open up their postseason. It just makes us all that more fired up. Um, however, in very non-Oilers fashion, the boys got off to a blazing hot start, peppering Eunice Corpusella with shots on goal and completely suppressing all of LA's chances, culminating seven minutes in when he looks like his name. Matthias Yamark fished out a loose puck to a wide-open Neon Leon Dreisaitl who scores his first of the playoffs, and Rodgers is rocking. Minutes later, the Oilers draw a penalty on said power play. Uh, or, minutes later, the Oilers draw a penalty, and then on said power play, McDad busts through every defender and draws the three, uh, the five-on-three on said five-on-three. Zachary Martin Hyman gets it to Nuge, who passes it to the Dentine Daddy, Sir Irvin, who walks in and absolutely Beyblade rips home a goal. Two nothing Oilers. We are having fun. Were you having fun, Miles? I was having a great time. Great time. Fresh bag of chips, a, a cold diet cola, and I'm watching the game. I'm in heaven. It's a it's a Monday night. Nothing too crazy, but just living life, loving the Oilers. Two nothing. And uh, it's funny because uh, the moment that this five on three was drawn, just before Evan Bouchard scored that goal, um, that Evan Bouchard, this tweet made its round on Twitter uh, from per per Elliot Friedman, Frege HNIC. Uh, McDavid draws two LA penalties in 31 seconds. Last year, he drew eight in 16 games. If this is the way it's going to be, huge for Edmonton with that power play. Yeah. We'll get to that. Uh, after a busy second period hampered by penalties to the Oilers, they were absolutely dominating five on five. Hold on, carry it out, 
and they'll take game one. Right? Right. Naturally. Right? Naturally. A minute later into the third on a four on four, Connor McDavid has a wide open lane to the net and a wide open shot electing to dish it over to Leon Dreisaitl, who gets picked off by the Kings. Puck works its way up to Adrian Kempe, who sends a backhand over Skinner's glove. 2-1 Oilers. Um, now, I, I, I don't know how you feel about it as the uh, resident goaltender, but I, I, I thought that was a pretty weak goal for Stuart Skinner to allow. Um, assist to Matt Roy and Anze Kopitar. What, what did you think of that goal? We're going to get the Stuart Skinner. Okay, perfect. Uh, middle way, th- <laughs> middle way through the frame. We're strong... not gonna be popular. We're not gonna be popular. <laughs> middle way through the fr- through the frame, a scrum in front of your uh, in, fr- in front of Corpusal has all the King defenders busy while the puck spurts out to a wild Leon Drysaddle who gets it on his stick and makes it three one Oilers. Apple, the teammate of the year and all around good guy, Evander Kane on that one. Minutes later, after a Conrad faceoff loss leads to another. Adrian Kempigle, 3-2 Oilers. <sighs> Assist to Byfield and Kopitar. Okay, here it is. The two-minute drill. Just got to close it out. Fuck, boosh, keep your fucking stick down. LA Kings get a power play. Kopitar ties it up on the six-on-four with 15 seconds left. Assist to Philip Deneau and Victor Arvidsson. OT we go. Nine minutes into the frame, Vinny DeHarnay fans on a puck, battles back with Blake Lazat falling back and tripping Lazat in the process. Called for tripping. Oilers power or Oilers penalty kill looks like classic Oilers and a tic-tac-toe play from Kopitar to Arvidsson to Alex Ayafalo, who looks like he hasn't left the sun or a tanning bed in 25 years, scores the game-winning goal. Kings take game one. Final stats, Oilers outshot the Kings 40 to 35, uh, but funnily enough, 36 to 21 at five on five. Power play was one for three. Penalty kill was four for six. Stuart Skinner with 31 saves with an 0.886 save percentage. Corpusala with 37 saves and a 0.925 save percentage. Neon, Leon, Dreisaitl, two points leading the way for the fellas. Really disappointing start. Um, Disappointing start. Um, first and foremost, Blake Lazat, ugliest guy in the NHL, probably oh, insane. We, uh, Miles and I were talking about it. We, uh, I mentioned that he looked like Gordon Bombay. And then what I was going to say next miles, it's like basically read my mind. And he's like, if Gordon Bombay, like decided that the, that the DUI didn't change anything with his life and he just kept back on the sauce. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, that's Blake Lazat. He, I've never seen him and Supreme Patty in the same place at the same time. And <laughs> if you're like, who is that? We'll give you time to Google. We'll give you time. To, we'll give you time to check it out. So you're gonna want to Google Blake Lazat, and then you're gonna want to Google Supreme Patty, and you're gonna want to put those two pictures together. So while you're doing that, just take your time. You know, it doesn't matter if you're at work. It doesn't matter. Just just a quick little break. It doesn't matter if you're driving. Yeah, no, if you're driving, whip it out, bud. Yeah. Um, if you if there's a cop right in front of you, just pull your phone out. It's not a big deal. We've actually talked to the RCMP and multiple <laughs> like municipal police officers and said, hey, you're going to see a few people on their phones in the next you know week or so as this episode comes out, and they're going to be checking uh, Blake Lazat. They, they have instructions, and they're actually allowed to do that. And to cop, if you tell the cop that, it's okay. For all the... De- for all... Uh, for- for all the DZ licenses, uh, I've already contacted MTO, so you're you're good. 
Yeah, that means nothing to me. I'm sorry. But uh, okay, so you've had time to check it out by now. Yeah, right. Crazy. And it's really funny because like Blake Lazat is like on. Let's call a spade a spade. Kings Kings might be the hottest team in the NHL looks wise. Oh, uh, it's crazy because they have an eclectic collection of good looking dudes because they're different types of good looking. Like, Anze Kopitar is that guy that some people would say he's ugly, but I think he's really hot. He has, like, the eyes of a sad dog in a hot way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and once again, I must reiterate, I've said this on the podcast before, his voice, super hot. Dude, and, like, Jonas uh, Corposalo looks like Dirty Mike. Every time I see him, I think of Dirty Mike. Didn't I tell you that? I think you did, but like it, it's uncanny how much they look like. <laughs> it's each nuts, other. eh? It I just imagine, I just imagined him speaking French to me and just absolutely <laughs> making me piss myself. Smoking a cigarette and just speaking <laughs> blacked out French. Okay, so yeah, the Oilers drop game one in a tough fashion in overtime. A little bit of a ref job, a little bit of a bad play, whatever. You know, life goes on. We go to game two. On April 19th, this is a Wednesday in a game that we have titled Clean the Dream. And following the news of the injury to Matthias Janmark, whomst will be ruled out for the remainder of the playoffs, Oilers go back to the 11 oh, and 7 Sorry, I fucked, I fucked that up writing that. It's not the playoffs. I believe it's just the opening round of the playoffs. So I'm sorry. Uh, you know, like you've seen Anchorman, right? Yeah, you're you, so I'm Ron Burgundy. Yeah, you read whatever the prompter says. I will because I'm a good boy. So, following the news of the injury to Matthias Janmark, whomst will be ruled out for the remainder of the playoff round, right? Yes. Oilers are going back to the 11 and 7 model, which sees Philip Broberg drawing back in. The game gets started with a bang as Mr. Sifter Wives himself, Derek Ryan, scores two minutes and 34 seconds into the game. Dreisaitl and Nurse get the assists. It's a one nothing Oilers kind of night. Ix, Ix Alifalo <laughs> takes a tripping penalty midway through the first, setting up an Oilers power play where Leon Dreisaitl, Lightning Leon, the Deutschland dangler, he is actually now being called the crowned prince of North Rhine-Westphalia, which is the region of Germany he's from, scores from McDavid and Bush to make it 2 nothing Oilers. So the first period was all Oilers. The second was not the same. Philip Deneau finally cracks the skin man for the Kings' first goal since game one. 2-1 Oilers. It's fine. We're good. But when it rains, it often pours as Gabe Velarde, back from injury, scores with 45 seconds left in the second, and we're all tied up at twos. Very Oilers to give up a goal with less than a minute left or within the first minute, and that's, that's just something that this team can't seem to break. The third period would get underway with a tremendous amount of Oilers energy that saw the man, the myth, the legend, for now, Clem Costin score an unassisted goal to give the Oilers a 3-2 lead. Evander Kane would toss one into the empty cage in the final moments to extend the lead to 4-2. And who else but Leon would get the assist? 4-2 Oilers. Series is tied 1-1. We're heading back to LA. Stu stopped 22 of 24 shots. Corpusalo stopped 33 of 36. So for those of you at home, the Oilers outshot the Kings 37 to 24. LA went 0 for 4 on the power play. Shout out to the Manson squad. And the Oilers were a perfect <laughs> 1 for 1 on the power play. The Oilers actually won 56% of the faceoffs in this game. So snaps and claps to our burly centerman. Kleem took home first star with his game winning goal. Leon was second star with a three point night. 
while having four penalty minutes. And Philip Dano, or better known as Turd, took home third star for his one goal performance. Do you know the Turd story? Have you heard that? No, I haven't. So his nickname is Turd, T-U-R-D, because news to me because he's French, right? Yeah. So when he was playing in Chicago, he was trying to get the boy sparked up, and he was in the room, and he's like, "Let's go out there and have a let's have a good turd." <laughs> so they're like, "What did you say?" And we're making fun of him, right? Making fun of his accent. So then he gets traded to Montreal, and he thought that he was done. He thought he was out like clean, right? Yeah. Um. Then Andrew Shaw, the hot dog water boy himself, gets traded to Montreal, and he walks in the room, and he's like, "Hey, turd!" And everyone's like, "What?" So now this guy has gone from Montreal to LA, and his turd nickname has followed him because it's like a funny bit at this point. So I hate Philip Deneau. Like I respect him. Like at the, I would like to do a jersey shot, jersey jersey swap with Philip Deneau, but I hate his fucking guts. This series so much. He's he he is the classic though, like guy you absolutely hate to play against, but would die to have on your team. Oh, without being a prick. Yeah, one thousand percent. Uh also uh Chicago and bullying. Wow, I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um That's funny. But yeah, like it, this was a really good game for the Oilers. They blew the lead, but were somehow able to pull it off and they were able to close off a one goal lead. And that was the number one thing that they need to do is play with a lead and be able to hold on to it. And that's exactly what they did. And that was really good to see. And they once again dominated the LA Kings at five on five. Um, Kings had their chances on the power play and they shut them down. So really good stuff to see. You know, it's not so good stuff to see miles. <sighs> Crypto.com arena. Stickgate. The three, two LA Kings win in overtime on Friday, Friday night. I'm thinking that we just might run away to a place where we can be who we are. <laughs> Hi, I'm the Edmonton Oilers, are. and I love giving up late period goals. <laughs> Alex, I a fucking follow opens the scoring 1927 into the first period. One nothing Kings shots were seven to five in the period for the Kings. Just a lot of puck battles and grinding without a lot of chances. Kind of like a middle school dance. <laughs> <laughs> the second period gave us what we were waiting for, and that was the Connor McDavid show, and it did not disappoint as McDaniel scored two goals about a hundred seconds apart, both on the power play, assist to Bush and Nuge on the first one, and Dry and Bush on the second. Two one Oilers lead. Let's go. Let's go. Um well, Miles forgot to mention this one point, but after that two one goal, uh Leon Dreisidel decides to uh take a little uh Give give Drew Dowdy a little love tap on the shins. And, uh, well, the refs don't like that. So they call Leon Dreisaitl for unsportsmanlike conduct. And in that ensuing penalty, Adrian Kempe says, hold by banana and scores just 22 seconds after McDavid gave the Oilers the lead on just an absolute rip job from the left-hand side of the ice. 2-2 hockey game. Third period, rocks and rolls. Both teams pushed hard and had some terrific chances, but despite outshooting the Kings 17-11, to we are once again off to overtime. This is where it gets kind of greasy. Nuge takes a soft slashing call 144 into overtime, and again, it's looking like a total or fucking total ref job. Kings are on the power play, and while a puck battle ensues between Eckholm and Byfield, oh, uh, uh, Eckholm and Velarde, 
The puck, the puck pops into the air where Velarde bats it down using a high stick. Conrad immediately points to it like, what the fuck? But the, uh, but the play continues. Trevor Moore gets the pass at the mouth of the net to score the overtime power play winner. After a few minutes of review, the play stands. A few minutes, by the way. That's, a, uh, that's an understatement. Uh, game is over. And that is one of the worst feelings that Miles has had, but so have I have. I've had watching a hockey game, not even joking. Uh, shots finished 40 for the Oilers, 31 for the Kings. Oil went two for four on the power play, three for five on the penalty kill, meaning the Kings scored twice with the man advantage. Oilers won 52% of the draws. Kempe, Kopitar, Moore in that order were the stars of the game. Such a fucking soul sucker of a game. Skinner stopped 28 of 31 shots. Going to be honest, couple cracks in the wall here the past few games. So, that fucking high stick is one of the few moments where the hockey world all collectively got together and said, the Oilers got jobbed. Now. I will preface by saying I am not in the mindset that the Oilers have been losing games because of the refs. These are games that the Oilers should be having and they should not be taking these dumb fucking penalties. However, when you look at all the angles provided, and this is angles that are provided to both Sportsnet, TNT, whomsoever, you can clearly see the recoil of Velarde's stick hitting the puck, therefore, should be blown dead. Now, the Oilers have been on the good fortune of some of this stuff. Must we go back to the series against Calgary? You know, kick gate, if you want to call it that. Um, but this was a fucking absolute pain in, like, a, sorry, not a pain in the ass, but a kick in the balls. Just a total kick in the nuts and it was really frustrating very 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 frustrating yeah 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 uh, um oh. yeah. yeah not really much else to say not really uh, much else to say but you know it wasn't a kick in the nuts miles ah yes i do nolan uh that would have been last night's game sunday night april 23rd 5-4 edmonton oilers win in overtime that we have titled your hashalayim which roughly translates to Israel. Oh. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah. You know, we're a very inclusive pod. Must win game four at the Crypto.com Arena in LA as the Oilers come in down 2-1 in the series. After two deflating overtime losses in this series already, this one felt weird right from puck drop. Oilers got dominated in the first 10 minutes and the first period overall. Gabe Velarde scores the game's first goal at the 9 minutes, 25 second mark, and the texts start flooding in. The tummy ache comes immediately. It's one nothing Kings. I don't know about you, but I get shit from people when the Oilers start losing, uh, like on multiple social media platforms, and I love it. I love it. It feels fucking awesome. Just um, to get Snapchats of the Kings Selly down the bench, it feels great. Um, uh, friend of the show, Little J, um, he or Medium J, what we call him, um, he, Lawyer J, Lawyer J. Okay, um, he he texted me just asking how I was doing, and that actually kind of almost stings worse than <laughs> than somebody texting you like chirps and stuff. I don't know what it is about it, but 
I, and I, and I, I felt really bad because I think I forgot to respond. But you know what I will say to about about lawyer Jay is that you know through he, he's cheering for the Leafs. Yeah. Right. Um. Through the amount of shit talking that he's been doing, he should be hind drawn and quartered in the town square for the amount of chirps that he's been dishing out about the about the Oilers. So like I oh that's I think that's part of the reason why I hate the Leafs so much. But I'm confirming uh hind drawn and quartered like like Braveheart. That's what I want to see happen to him. Uh, by the way, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are currently winning three one. Let's go! Second, let's um, go! Poppy, yeah, man, it's Poppy, uh, these hands talk sixty. Yeah, and the the other thing about that too is that you know what? Let's just get to three nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, but he 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 loves it. He's gonna be listening to this. He's gonna be like, <laughs> just being happy that he's getting getting a little bit of a a shoutsy so, boost. Uh, a little bit of boost, a little boost for the for a good boy, a good guy, yeah. and like the fact you got compared to Braveheart, that's pretty good, right? Yeah. So yeah, Gabe Velarde scores. Uh, Ted's texts are coming in. My tummy hurts. One nothing Kings. Victor Arvinson would score at the sixteen forty eight mark to put the Kings up two nothing, and then Cody Cece takes a penalty at seventeen sixteen to set up Mad Kings pressure, where Anze Kopitar would score on the power to, power play to put the Kings up three nothing. At this point, the tummy ache is full-blown diarrhea. The end of the first also saw the end of Stuart Skinner's night, and our all-star rookie goaltender got the hook after allowing three goals on 11 shots. We will have a larger discussion about goaltending at the culmination of this highlight package. So in comes soup, and we need it to be piping hot tonight, buddy. Please keep the burner on. Irvin Burchard takes advantage of a Lars Eller penalty to make it 3-1. Kings, Dry and McDaniel get the assists. Dry, the Deutschland Dangler, scores his fourth of the series at the midway mark of the period to make it 3-2 Kings. Assist to Hyman, we'll get to him, and uh, McDaniel Bride on that one. Kevin Fiala, who has movie star good looks, takes a tripping penalty, and the Oilers' historically best power play capitalizes with 11 seconds left in the period to make this game all tied up at three. Assists to Burchard and Nuge. Heading into the third. The third gets going and the Kings restore their lead as D-man Matt Roy. Matt Waugh? How do you say? Is he Roy or Waugh? Matt Roy. Matt Roy. Yeah. Hot. Like the guy yeah. in the office. Like Scores. Derek Roy. What's that? Like Derek. Like like Derek Roy. Like Derek Roy. What Former about Former Oiler Great. Former Oiler Great. Uh, scores five whisperer. minutes. Sorry, go on. Fuck you. <laughs> Let me do my job. Uh, scores five minutes into the game, into the period, four three Kings. So after getting verbally assaulted by tens of thousands of Oilers fans, uh, households all night long, former Thrasher, Jet, Saber, Shark, and most importantly, current Oiler, Evander Kane scores a big time goal to even things up once again at fours. This one coming off the sticks of our BB Viking and our BB Connor, four four. The final three minutes were extremely nerve-wracking as the prospect of another overtime looked more and more unavoidable. And you guessed it, it came to fruition as these teams ended. Another game tied. Extra time would be needed. It was finally the Oilers' turn to get an overtime power play after Adrian Kempe took a cross-checking penalty after he made Bush eat an advertisement on the boards. Wouldn't it be so poetic for the Oilers to win one in overtime on the power play off of a Bush bomb? Yes. 
Yes, it would. But on the ensuing Oilers power play, no one wanted to shoot the pill as Big J screamed, and the Oilers ended the man advantage, unable to end it. Wait, I, wait, Big Big J says shoot the pill? Screamed at the TV, shoot the pill! Fucking like, marry her oh right God. now. For yeah. the love of God, get on one knee right now. <laughs> Um, I'm also, this is also a really sad day. And this, this is, this is probably as good of a point as any to bring this up. I'm not allowed to call her big J on the show anymore. Why not? She's not, not was, was told to make a, to make a change. Was it because I called her big J last night? No, this is, oh. she gave me shit about this a little while ago. So from this point on, we have to call her Janelle. Oh, damn it. <laughs> gotta okay. respect gotta respect the wishes oh, okay janelle wait so Jan- wait wishes from the missus <laughs> so janelle screamed <laughs> shoot the pot sorry shoot the pill and uh yeah the oilers weren't able nobody really it didn't look like anybody really wanted to take that uh to take that chris kyle shot at the net but whatever <laughs> thankfully there is a man on this team that is brains and brawn a man that has a way with words and knows his way around the net a man who wrote multiple children's books while breaking the hearts of Leafs fans everywhere as he put up 83 points this NHL season. You know him as Zachary Martin Hyman. And he gets his first of the series and wins the game for the Edmonton Oilers 5-4 in overtime. Assists to the board eater himself, Evan Burchard, who made an incredible outlet pass to spring Zachary oh Martin Hyman. God. Load the plane, let's get back to Edmonton, and let's do the damn thing. Shots finished 42 for the Oilers, 39 for the Kings. Kings went one for two on the power play, and the Oilers went two for three. Kings won 52% of the draws in the game. Uh, Campbell was solid in relief uh, while he didn't look like uh, the steadiest of, of goaltenders. He stopped 27 of 28 shots, and Corpus Allo stopped 37 of 42 for a .887 save percentage. OT hero Zachary Martin Hyman, children's author, took home first star with his two-point performance. Leon Dreisaitl was second star with two goals and one assist. And third, Philip Deneau, third star with uh, two helpers. Oilers, 2-2. By the way, uh, Tampa's up 4-1. Alex Kaloran just scored. I'm going to fucking shit my pants, dude. I hate the Leafs. <laughs> um, by the way, Mikhail Sergachev just made a fucking sweet pass to Brandon Hagel on that goal. Did Hagel score? No, uh, uh, it was uh, Ser- Sergachev to Hagel to uh, to Kalorn. Oh, I'm, so excited. I'm so excited to get to that recap. <laughs> um, you saw the Hagel like you're irrelevant thing to Luke Shen, right? Yeah, that well, it wasn't it wasn't it. Uh, Shen said to Maroon that he's yeah. irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, and then he was like, "You're he's fucking, irrelevant. Yeah, you're fucking bad or something like that." Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> um, yeah, this. I mean, I will say, and I said this to you last night. So, f- fun fact: um, Miles and I, like, I think it was either last year or the year before. You and I used to actually like FaceTime after almost every Oilers playoff game and just kind of like usually in between periods, right? It was during intermissions that we used to do it and we used to just kind of like chat strategy. But now that we're (laughs) old, we, uh, we, we, we don't, we don't really do it as much anymore. But after the game last night, I had to FaceTime miles because I needed somebody to talk to because, um, last night was a total roller coaster of emotions because on one end, you have basically your mind 
playing the worst kind of tricks on you where you're telling yourself that it's over. It's done. This was a great regular season. I even texted miles. I'm like, great season, man. And I was ready to just completely pack it in. And within the flip of a switch, this team somehow ties it up, blows another, blows it again, ties it up again. And some way, somehow one of the guys in this team, one of the most likable players in the NHL, wills this team to a victory and it was a guy that and i was actually going to say this to you i i was was thinking about adding this to the notes but zach hyman went went from a goat to a goat because he went from like the bad goat which is like when people call something a goat and it's like yeah, the got worst you by the goat like by the balls yeah, yeah exactly and because because to be honest like no offense to zach hyman but he was really bad this game and he kind of hasn't really been great all series but he chose the right time to finally be great and it paid off for the team and it paid off for him. So he immediately became a folk hero in Edmonton with that goal last night as if he already wasn't, but, um, dude, him and Kane last night were objectively bad all game. Um, only for Kane, the King killer to just show up and score a massive goal. So fun, fun, quick story, fun, quick story. Um, Part of being an Oilers podcast host is getting the, how do you say, shit from people when they bet on the Oilers and being like, why did I do this? Like you, I listen to your show and then you talk me and it makes me think that I should bet on the Oilers and then they do this shit. Like I have a big parlay riding on this. So last night I got like three texts at the same time that were all basically saying the same thing. Like I've got some juice on this, by the way, don't, con- don't, don't, uh, we're not promoting gambling. We're not bookies. But, <laughs> yeah. We're not bookies, but we're just, I'm just saying, I, I like to call it the Oilers gambling support group. So I might just start like a, I don't know. I'm going to start a group chat of like, okay, who's got juice? Let's, let's talk about it tonight. And like, let's all work through this together because I'm getting all these Snapchats of like the highs and lows of the game. Like just a blank stare into the camera. Like I hate Evander Kane. I can't believe like, I hate what's this guy doing. Like I've been screaming at the TV the whole game. And then 30 seconds later, I love Evander Kane. What a big goal. So it's just funny that, yeah, two guys that haven't been terrific this series and definitely weren't terrific this game ended up being, you know, the reason that the Oilers got out of this one with a massive, massive win. And that penalty that Hyman took in the overtime period was so brutal. I was so mad. I'm like, Zach, come on. You're better than this. What are you doing? Because and I said this to you last night, I think he has to be hurt. Like there has to be something because even just the one thing you can count on Zach Hyman with is just his, his chippiness and his energy and his will to go and get those loose pucks. And it seems like he doesn't have that right now. Now I could be completely wrong. He could just be on a bit of a cold spell right now, but it's like I said, happy. He scored happy. He got that OT winner. And maybe this can be the start of a better playoff run for Zachary Martin Hyman, the children's yeah. author. It looks um, like he's missing some snarl is yeah. the best way to put it. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, uh, who knows? Maybe we can get a little bit of a jump out of uh, Kyle Yamamoto for the love of Christ. <laughs> Your tweet about JFK F Gamma was the shooter <laughs> was, was probably one of the funniest tweets from the one for one account that I think I've, I've ever seen. That one was really good. People love that one. That's, I got, 
That's straight up stolen from NBA Twitter, by the way. Oh, is that? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it initially started with like JFK if Russell Westbrook was the shooter. <laughs> That's funny too. But it, it was, I said some not very nice things to the TV because it was that shot in the second period on yep, Friday night. I know exactly. That what you're he missed the about. net by like, like a Bears kicker margin. He gets these prime opportunities because he plays with two of the best players in the goddamn world, gets gets served on a gold platter, these incredible chances, and completely misses the net. I have, and it's, I had the same problem with Warren Fogle last night. Warren Fogle is doing a great job. He, you're, you're, you're doing great, sweetie, of generating chances, getting in position for those wide open looks, but please hit the goddamn net. It's the same with Cody Cece as well. Holy smokes. I'm so sick of these three players not being able to hit the net. It's, it's a, I only want you to just hit the net. Corpus Al can stop it for all I care. Just hit the net because you yeah, know what? Gotta, gotta hit the net to make the goalie make a yeah. save, right? That's yeah. that's, that's, that's all save. it takes. Maybe, maybe develop a nice little juicy rebound that either you can put back or somebody else can put back, but just something. Just don't hit the net, please. I, I, I beg of you. There was a really big goal, and I, I know we're not at this point yet, but this goes to basically what you're saying. Like, what one thing that really frustrates me about the Oilers in this series, and just in general, is how they generate offense. Like, they're either great at it in terms of, like, cycling the puck, moving the puck yeah. around, and finding the open man and creating a shot. But, like, I was watching a Knights game, Knights versus Jets. And Jack Eichel's coming down the wing and he shoots the puck just like they teach you in peewee hockey at the goalie's pads, tosses it into the pillows, and it pops right out onto Mike Stone's stick or Mark Stone's stick. And he pops it backhand into the net. Celebration, big goal, awesome. There is something about this Oilers team where they just refuse to shoot for rebounds. Like everybody's trying to pick a corner. And that's why you have Yamo ringing the puck off the glass. That's why you have Nuge firing one into the stanchions, right? Like it sounds really cool to hit the the glass. That's something you do in warmups because it just makes a cool noise. But in the game, you got to hit the net to have a chance to score a goal. And this Oilers team is always just looking to pick corners. They're not shooting for rebounds to generate those kind of cheap, easy scoring chances. Because like Corpus Allo has been good this series. His numbers are good. He's making lots of saves. But I don't, I would act, honestly, if you have it, I would like to see it, what the fancies are of what those graded scoring chances are. Because I feel like a lot of those shots are just logo bombs that are hitting him right in the chest. I mean, I wouldn't have the actual the the shot chart positioning on the goaltender himself, but um, I'd be able to. You prob- yeah, I'd probably be able to. You're pull supposed up- to be a stats guy. What the hell? Well, I will say his goal saved above expected. He is third in the NHL. Oh, so, so he's balling out of control. He's going nuts. Um, and actually, funnily enough. <laughs> Okay, so at first is Linus Olmark with a 3.9 goal saved above expected. Second is Igor Shesterkin with 3.7. Third is Eunice Corposalo with a 3.4. Do you know who's in sixth place? Is it is it Jack? It's Jack Campbell with 2.4. Yeah. 2.4 goal saved above expected in one game. That's uh that's what you know, it's been a few episodes since we said this, Nolan, but that's what uh the kids at home are calling Rockstar. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> I mean, he's got his leather pants on, but it's <laughs> he's wearing chaps. Uh, Jack yeah. Campbell coming into Crypto.com Arena and chaps. Jack Jack Chap Chapsel Chap Chapsel. I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, yeah, it it uh, I, I I don't know. I just I would love the the other thing I've noticed too with this team, and I, this kind of goes to a lot of like modern day hockey tactics it seems like because this is becoming a thing in the nhl now which i low-key agree with in a way but there are certain times that you just have to throw all that logic out the window which is um defensemen passing up wide open shots because there's a lot of defensemen that will have a wide open lane a wide open target to the net and instead will elect to pass it to the forward which nine times out of ten i shouldn't say nine times out of ten which most of the time is Eight always a is is a good option because you want your forwards to be able to create offense in the offensive zone. However, when you have a wide open look, Darnell Nurse, he's not afraid to shoot the puck, sometimes to his detriment. <laughs> but, shoot the pill. But even with like Evan Bouchard, by the way, Evan Bouchard, we'll get to him. But like just you have the wide open net man like you can hit the net we've seen you score goals just throw it on net morgan riley scored um he scored that goal to uh to win the game against the lightning the other night like and that was just get it off the face off fire it at the net because like we said maybe 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 a greasy little rebound comes out and you could just give that thing a little kiss in the, a little kiss into the back of the net a little but, smooch but yeah little, um little one of these back of the net Four one Oilers, four <laughs> one Oilers. Um, okay, so to just quickly recap for all the kids at home, just 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 who doesn't know. Uh, so game one, Oilers blow a two goal lead and lose in overtime. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Uh, game two, uh, Oilers blow another two. Or sorry, uh, game two, Oilers blow another two goal lead, but somehow score an additional one, and then get an empty netter. 4-2 win Edmonton. Game three, Oilers. Uh, they are, are able to make it a two, or they are able to make it a 2-1 game, surrender a one-goal lead, losing overtime off of a bullshit call from the referees, or from, from the officials, as you might say. And obviously game four, Oilers go down 3-0, tire up, score in overtime. Zachary Martin Hyman, hero of the evening. Okay, so four games in. Miles. Uh, Oilers power play is six for 11 for 54%. Uh, Kings are right around 30%. Uh, the series can be decided by special teams considering Edmonton's penalties have been largely stick infractions. This is true. Uh, the Oilers last night played a fairly well-disciplined game. Now there are certain there are certain calls that maybe went their way that you you, you have to capitalize on those chances. Um, some people have debated about the Kevin Fiala uh, trip on Leon Drysaddle that there was, and I kind of put that in quotations because it was more of like a can opener, but kind of a trip. Not it, it all depends. I, I'm not every fan base right now is 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 upset about that. Or about that game's official work, um, we you can even look to the to the stuff last night in Minnesota versus Dallas. That was a pretty controversial game right there. Um, so, I mean, I I think that we can kind of probably be done talking about the refs at this point. 
unless there's another story to be told for the rest of the playoffs. I'm, I'm sure there will be, but um, Oilers just have to play more disciplined and not, not to, and the, I think the, the most frustrating part about this series, and that was the issue with last night in the first period is the Oilers played a little bit scared. They didn't want to take any penalties because they didn't want to be physical. They didn't want to get checking tight because they're worried that, 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 you know, that the Kings were going to draw some more calls and that didn't happen last night. And we should look at that and we should say, okay, great. We know that we can win a game. Now it's about taking that and rolling with it. Um, what, it, what, what are your thoughts? It's been a good, like, it's been a very entertaining series so far. And I think if I wasn't like a on the brink of disaster level Oilers fan, it, I would be really enjoying this. 100%. Uh, but like, it's frustrating having watched this team and seeing how white hot they were coming into the playoffs and seeing like how well they handled those two games late in the season against LA to see them essentially plaques go Burris and shoot themselves in the foot for two games to take two losses. I'm not saying that this is a sweep. If those two games, you know, if those calls go the other way or whatever, um, cause again, we said it right from the beginning of the, of the playoff preview that, you know, a lot of respects got to go to LA that they're a very good hockey team. And, damn they have been but um i think the oilers have been the first game for sure i think the oilers beat themselves more than the kings beat the oilers absolutely Um, yeah then they got their win in game two awesome game three i mean that was it is what it is that's puck luck that's how a game goes sometimes you know they're bound to win a couple of games or a good hockey team whatever and then i feel like the cosmic scales maybe balanced a little bit more uh, last night with with that overtime and how that Hyman chance went and found the back of the net. So I don't know. Really roundabout way of saying I think that this team knows it's better than it's been playing, is going to play better than it's been playing, and I think that Game 5 tomorrow is going to be a massive telltale sign of how they respond to adversity. It's going to be like a scales of justice, like game. Like it, it's going to completely tilt the ice or it was not, not tilt the ice, but tilt the outcome of the series in that, in, in, in said team's specific direction. Now, with that being said, Kings won game five last year, Oilers for uh, Oilers forced it to seven, uh, obviously from that or remembering the classic Evander Kane. Oh God, that was so cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a huge game, and there's something that I listened to the Jay Woodcroft uh, press conference last night, and then also this morning as well about just what that can do to a locker room. And I mean, I can't believe I'm going to say I can't believe these words are going to come out of my mouth. But Kevin Bieksa, actually, who is awesome, and I've realized is actually really great on the Sportsnet panel now. I've I've really enjoyed him and especially him and Derek Lalonde together last night were really good because it felt like they were breaking down the game really well and there was a little bit of intuition that I feel like or a, a little bit of insight into the game that we don't typically get um from a lot of the Sportsnet panelists but yes. The thing I'll say about Bexa we used to make fun of him because he would use every opportunity on the broadcast to tell you that he used to play hockey. Like, yeah. oh, well, when I was captain of the uh, Spangler Cup team, or not Spangler Cup, but like the World the World Hawk Championship team, like he would let you know at every given opportunity that he played in the NHL. And now that he's not doing that anymore and he's like focusing on his job, he is really good. Yeah. He, I agreed he with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, eat, I'll eat my hat a little bit on the BX slander. But what him and Derek... Still will... fucking hate Kelly Rudy, though. 
Sorry. <laughs> shout out, sh- shout out, Jennifer Botterill. You're still a queen. Um, but friggin' Bieksa and Lalonde both said on the panel last night that that comeback can completely change the vibe of this team and can, and can completely change the rest of the series because you give the Oilers confidence and you give them a little bit of swagger. This team with swagger is unstoppable. We know that. Like, when, when Evander Kane is on his game, when Connor McDavid is on his game, when Ryan Nugent Hopkins is feeling it, when Zach Hyman is flying, when Darnell Nurse feels like an important presence. By the way, last night... We didn't mention this, but Darnell Nurse, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> big stinky of a game. How about the game-winning goal in Game Three when he was fucking? You could see his numbers. His face was he—he he was facing the goalie, and he was just hoping that Trevor Moore was going to hit him in the back of the leg or something. Like, I'm trying. I'm fucking trying with him. I'm trying not to say nine point two five, but it's so fucking hard did you hear what ladislav i have three did you hears ladislav smead talking about all the pigeons in the crowd making fun of leon or of uh darnell nurse Nurse. i did see that yeah yeah that makes me think twice before i make a nurse chirp because i'm like oh laddie smead but also at the same time it's like you make a lot of money to make those plays, man. I, like I, I'm gonna I, need a little bit more out of you, buddy. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I I do not. This is this goes back to my, <laughs> to my to my very authoritarian takes on hockey players that make a lot of money. You get that amount of money. I'm sorry. The criticism comes with that. You have to be held to a certain standard. I don't give a shit if that's what Ken Holland gave you. Darnell Nurse has to be held to a standard similar. I'm not asking him to be Kale McCarr, even though he makes more money than Kale McCarr. I'm not asking him to be Charlie McAvoy, even though he makes the same amount of money as Charlie McAvoy. But you have to be held to a far higher standard than number three, four defenseman on the Edmonton Oilers. I'm sorry. That's not good enough when you make $9.25 million. I don't think I'm speaking in tongues here. No, that, that's that's fair. That's valid, and Laddie, Laddie Smead should should take that into account next time he's listening to the one for one show. Yeah. Um. Did you hear what Ekholm said about the fans? Be, he's talking about that locker room swagger. Uh, did you hear his comment? Uh, I basically just heard that it just it it just gives them a lot of life. Like it makes them want to play harder. Yeah. He was just talking more so about the fans are like, so you're new oiler. Like, how do you feel about the city? Like playoff time? It's really cool. And he's like, yeah, obviously inside of the building is really loud and it's like the crowd's amazing and it gives us a lot of juice. But um, then you see the images of them outside and he's like, kind of like looks a little bit and he's like, you know, it's around one, right? Yeah. Like, Ekholm is in like Ekholm's loving it. I think he came from Nashville where maybe not to say anything negative about the fan base because they were they were rocking pretty good in like 17 18 but that's nothing like Canada no if this when you watch did you watch that third that game three in Winnipeg yeah nuts there's nothing like a Canadian crowd man yeah. they're uh, the the hosers are going bananas e- even like I mean we were just we were just laughing about the you know the least losing 4-1 but even like Jurassic Park like Maple Leaf Square is nuts like it's so cool um yeah and it's only in Canadian markets like I I don't 
I don't see this anywhere. I don't even see this in any other sport. Like, when do you see the freaking uh, Milwaukee Bucks? Like, when do they cut to a? And I actually think that they did this a couple of years ago when they went to their when they when they went on their finals run. But like, you don't you don't see this very often in really any other sport. So it's it's really cool to see. Oh, fanatical! And God, Matias at home. Um, we didn't talk about it, but the the slight like breakout of his zone past the Connor McDavid on the Vander Kane goal was just, oh my god! I'm I'm asking this legitimately because I don't know if I'm giving him like the O line treatment, but like, has he been good this series? Are you are you being sarcastic? No, I'm I'm genuinely asking because I feel like as a fan base, genuinely discussing because I feel like as a fan base when we got you know, watching him have two rip bombs against San Jose and like just he was fairly offensively potent in that in that last 18 games of the season, right? Mm-hmm. So whereas we we might not be seeing Ekholm on the score sheet, but like again, I'm talking about the old line treatment where like if we're not talking about him, he's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. One thousand percent. That's a yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um I, I think that he he's done and we you know what like let's just get to him right now like we can just kind of turn this into it but like evan bouchard evan bouchard is leading all defensemen in points right now and a lot of that is due to the fact that he has that anchor beside him in matthias Eckholm. and i don't mean anchor in a bad way i'm i'm not meaning anchor as in like he had to carry around duncan keith last year but um like it's been it's fit like a glove yeah, complimentary. It's been a very complimentary pairing. Um, By the way, yeah. Matthias Ekholm, uh, they asked him. They asked him about about Evan Bouchard today, and he was like, "He's like, he's just got so much raw offensive skill. He's like that that kid's gonna be a superstar in this league." <sighs> I bet you they're buddies. I bet you they're buds, dude. Ken Holland better pull Evan Bouchard into his office and say, "Listen." You want to you want to rip clap bombs from Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl? You want to have a little bit of fun with your old pal Matthias? Let's let's get you sticking around long term, baby. Let's go. Let's he give better a, pull. He give better him a seven pull, times eight. He better pull him into his office and say, "Hey, we've got a really big game five coming up against LA. My job's on the line if we don't win this one. So uh, how about we go out there, get two to three boosh bombs, couple couple." blowing the kisses to the crowd couple couple and uh let's go back to la and finish a job i think that's the conversation he's he needs to have with bouchard before he starts talking about an extension i mean let's focus on the task at hand here mom mentality i know but we're gonna end up getting into a situation where evan bouchard is gonna have like 45 points in the playoffs and is gonna demand at 13 million dollars in the offseason <laughs> <laughs> and then we're gonna be doing that that fucking tiktok oh no oh no 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 <laughs> we gotta get you on the tiktok because that trend is dead my brother well i'm so, I, I, the you only re- can i can i just quickly mention the only reason why i know it is because taylor's stepdad when we lived with them used to go on tiktok all the time and we'd just be sitting in another room or we'd be sitting in the basement and we can hear oh no oh no because he's just like <laughs> upstairs just surfing through tiktok <laughs> that's really funny and nolan while that trend may be dead there is something that is very much alive or if not alive just under the surface is that 
goaltending controversy? There's a right answer and a wrong answer. Between who you start? Yes. You go first. The right answer is Stuart Skinner. Yes. I a thousand percent the right answer is Stuart Skinner. Yep. And let's I I was talking at the top of the show, like, oh, we're gonna get to Stuart Skinner. Has he been exceptional this series? No. No. But you gotta look at what the body of work has been this season. Mm-hmm. And if it's you know, we have to win a best of three to go to the next round over three games, are you going to get a better performance from Jack Campbell or Stuart Skinner? Over the course of three games, you are going to get better goaltending from Stuart Skinner. I, I'll just, start. I'll just, I'll just make this simple. Um, a defenseman is taking a clap bomb from the circle. Which one makes you shit your pants more, Stuart Skinner or Jack Campbell? It's easy. It's Jack Campbell. So therefore, you start Stuart Skinner. <laughs> there, yeah. Like, the one goal that the one goal that he did give up last night uh, was like, uh, like. I said out loud, that's really bad goaltending because you could see <laughs> from the in-net cam, he had the one leg up, like pushing himself over, and he was basically making like an acute triangle, <laughs> and his five hole was completely open. He had the paddle stomped on the ice, like tight to the ice, but he had just this large 45-degree angle between his between his leg and his left leg and his right leg, and it, oh, that's where the puck went. That's fucking insane how that happens, right? When you play like Martin Broder in 2003 and you leave the five hole completely open, that's how that's going to happen. Jack Campbell is listed on NHL.com as being six foot three and he looks fucking five foot seven in the net sometimes. Just he a five seven So small, it's not even funny. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, nothing, nothing would tickle me more pink than to see Jack Campbell come in. And lead this team to a Stanley Cup final, win the con Smythe in the process, and we hoo-ha, everything is fun, we love life. Dude, I'll buy a jersey if he does that. But straight, if up, I, straight up. But if I have to win three game, a best of three series, I'm putting Stuart Skinner in that, and I'm not even talking about it. If if Jack Campbell came in and wins the Stanley Cup and leads this team and leads this team to a Stanley Cup, I will change every one of my profile pictures on every social media platform to a photo of Jack Campbell and his cat. <laughs> so but, he just goes he goes full Nick Foles mode. B uh, Big we're... Sack Jack. Oh yes! This is why you were on one for one. <laughs> um Dick jokes. Yeah. Um you have to go back to Stuart Skinner because I cannot take that heartbreak of watching like Alex Iafalo coming down the wing and sniping one glove side on freaking Jack Campbell. Just that, just can't have it. That's the nuts thing though, man. Between Fiala, Ardvinson, Kempe, um that Slovak, Kopitar gonna remember his name like they're a pretty juicy team up front with a lot of off of, of with a lot of offensive flair and like if they're doing that to stew 
imagine yeah. what they're gonna do to Jack. <laughs> I think like and and Jack stopped many shots yesterday. Many, he did. many, he many, many shots. shots. Yes, but the thing is, is that this happens with Jack Campbell. We will get the one Jack Campbell game, and I feel like I use these. I feel like I I use these sort of. Uh, uh, these hyperboles multiple times, but it's like the complete opposite ends of the spectrum where it's like one game straight up looks like prime Patrick Waugh. And then the next, the next day looks like end of Oilers 10 year ha- Nikolai Habby Boulin. Like it, it's or, or Victor Faust. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I remember being so big on him when he came from Anaheim. Like this is the answer. <laughs> He didn't get a shot. He was buying Hiller. He didn't get a chance. He's going to get a chance here. He's going to be a star. Remember how sick Jonas Hiller was with his all-black mask? Oh, he was such a lord. Such a lord. And then he got vertigo, and now we're sad. Because he's no one. Hello! Hello! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, So I'm really looking forward to seeing how how Conrad McDervinson... You like that? Well, Bono. I love when dads are like, my favorite band is U2. <laughs> I love when I wake up in the morning and U2's just implanted themselves on my iTunes. I love when I I love when I go over to Lawyer Jay's house and he just plays the Where the Streets Have No Name intro for the 2011 uh, Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> Yo, do you remember back when like Friday beer started and they had like characters? I I do, yeah. He Jay is very much the late night specialist. Oh yeah, like he's gonna take. It doesn't matter if he's at somebody's house that he's known for a, a year or somebody's house that he's known for a minute. He's gonna take the remote. He's gonna go on YouTube and he's gonna play you some really weird shit. <laughs> he's gonna play you the 2006 saving me intro for the Oilers and the you, cup you final. Do, you very much so. You have like a few guarantees. He's gonna play "Take Brad Your Paisley. Time" by Sam Hunt. Yeah, so a Brad Paisley song. Yeah, waiting on a woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else is he gonna play? He's gonna play like one of those hockey intros for sure. Because I've seen I've seen him go both of them. A What's sad another... boy pop song. A sad boy pop song. Uh, Avenge another... Sevenfold Bat Country. Yeah, my uh, my Chemical Romance. Welcome to the Black Parade. Oh, Probably yeah, gonna come a... out. Yeah. Um, depending on how many drinks of the rye he's had, he might uh, sing it to you in French. En français. <laughs> I love that we know all the, all of his greatest hits. <laughs> he. That's a honestly. I wish people knew me. Like, like you know what I mean. I wish people were like, "This is the Miles playlist." Oh man, ah, uh, I kind of have a good idea what of what the Miles playlist would be. We can do that after. Uh, yeah, a lot after, of. After we, a lot of a lot of George Strait. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of George Strait. Yeah, I'm out of my Laney phase, though. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, cause you're, cause you're, you're glowing. Oh, thank you, King. So are you. You're in so, your, uh, you're in your lover phase now. My Taylor Swift lover era. Yeah. Um, we'll get to her. So really looking forward to seeing, really looking forward to seeing uh, how Conrad's going to respond in game five. Do you want to talk about him being eaten up a little bit? In in being what? Oh, being eaten oh, up. Oh, eaten up by the, by the, by the media. By the turd. And by, oh, and by, and by, and by Philip, Philip Danit. Danote. 
um so that was more so like a game one and game two storyline yeah i think he's i think he's kind of starting to figure it out and um i mean i I, we we said this from the get-go man like the kings are literally the oilers kryptonite yeah. And they're the perfect matchup for the Oilers and the perfect um, stage setter for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think... Is it crazy to say that this is probably the hardest matchup they could have had in the first round? 1,000%. I completely agree with that. I, yeah. I, I'm... I don't want to I don't want to have this clipped and be thrown back in my face, but I, I, I truly do believe that this is going to be the hardest matchup that the Oilers will have to face through an entire playoff run. Yeah. Easiest path to the cup, my ass, whoever said that at NHL.com. They got they got a juggernaut in LA, but I do you want to do predictions or do you want to save we'll save that for the end. We'll save okay. that for the end. Sounds we'll good. save it for the end. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the past four games of the Oilers that you've seen? Um, not particularly. I'd I'd like to. Oh, oh, what? <laughs> oh, um, Vinny Deharnay and Clem got sat like for the majority oh, yeah, of the last yeah, game. Sure. How do you think that's gonna go moving forward? What do you Vin- What do you expect? I, to see? I I can't play Vinny for a while. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm out on playing Vinny for a while. So um, what did what did Clem do to get benched? I think it's just shortening up the bench more than anything. You just got to give... I think that Jay Woodcroft wasn't interested in any sort of... Um, in trying to mix and match lines very much. I think that he just wanted to... Because you have to remember, like, the, the Oilers tied it up, and then they immediately went down, and then they had to tie it up again, right? So mm-hmm. I think at that point, Woodcroft is just like, I need to get my three best... Pl- or I need to get my best players in the ice, and we need to try and score. So I will do whatever I can in order to make that possible. And if that means not playing one of your guys who, as much as I love Kleem, besides a little bit of physicality, what... And I know he scored the game winner the other night, but it's similar to the Evander Kane goal last night. It's like, was that the culmination of a really good game, or was that just a, I fired the puck at the net and somehow scored? And that's Johnny on the spot opportunity kind of thing. Exactly. And and there's totally merit in that. And there's, there's totally value in that. I completely get it. But when you're trying to win hockey games, you have to put players in the position that give your team the best chance to win. And I just don't think that Clem Costin or Clem necessarily does that. I don't think that he really generates offense. I don't think he's like this elite defensive player or anything like that. So you have to kind of, some, no, so when the bench when the bench gets shortened, he's yeah. the obvious choice to bring it, you know, to bring it down and keep things consistent. I get what you're saying. I agree with yeah. you. That's that's fair. I I was watching the game and I was kind of, you know, having a conversation and whatnot. So watching passively, watching hard, watching passively, watching hard, and I was just looked up and I'm like, I saw the graphic on the screen that day. Harney and Kleem hadn't played like a minute since midway through the second, and I was like, <laughs> what the heck? What's going on? What the what the heck's going on over here? Now I don't know if my mind was playing tricks on me, but uh, did it not seem like Darnell Nurse played a lot less a lot less minutes last night? It, that's what at least I felt. What we do you want me to tell you? Do you want me to bring up the numbies or what? I'm I'm actually just looking at natural stat trick right now. So Darnell Nurse played twenty four forty three last night. Um. Matias Ekholm played twenty five oh six. Um, what did uh, what did Irvin play? Irvin, holy shit! Irvin played twenty eight twenty five last night. Um, Leon played twenty eight oh nine. Connor played thirty twenty two. Holy shit! These guys were freaking going. Um, 
So I I mean I don't know if there is a bit of a difference between between second and third period, but I mean after that, especially after that four three goal that that Darnell went for that big hit on and just completely decided to not play defense. Um, it just it was so frustrating. But I I wanted to bring this guy up, but uh, you know who's really impressed me through through the first four games? Brett Kulak. Yeah, unsung, unsung hero Brett Kulak. He's been on the uh, he's been on the uh, Matthias at home diet. Yeah, just but he's just making the smart play, and he's getting less minutes. I, I, it's amazing at how much better Brett Kulak looks when he's kind of instead of playing a firm top four role, which I know that I, I'm pretty sure that you and I had actually talked about at the beginning of the season. We're like, this is the perfect outlook for Brett Kulak is playing in a top four role. He needs a little bit more ice time to really show his strength, but uh, I think he's kind of best where he is right now, which is taking that getting maybe the minutes of a top four guy, but still being somewhat sheltered. Um, and a guy I would really love to see get some more ice time is Philip Roberg. I think Philip Roberg has looked really good over these last few games. Um, there was the game the other night where he had, he was a plus two in the game and, uh, and he played like eight minutes <laughs> or four. No, it was four minutes, four minutes. and He was a plus two. In so, last night's game. No, I think that was in the four, two game. Yeah, so that he he might have just been on the well, it was power play goals. I don't know. Anywho, um, yeah, man, I don't know. I I'm really conflicted because like, and I'm sure somebody's gonna clip the clip it and say like, oh, we found the exact point where you simped about Vinny D Vinny DeHarnay. So I'm just really nervous to say anything. Um, I thought for sure that when the ice got smaller in the playoffs, that big Vinny D was gonna be, you know, helpful. He was going to be the seaweed man. Um, he was going to be the seaweed man. He was going to be a bit of a glue guy. So I'm really disappointed to see how it's gone. Um, and that's the crazy thing about the NHL playoffs too, man. Um, if you get out and they get hot, you don't get back in until somebody gets hurt. <laughs> I think he, I think for one, he needs to work with a skating coach big time. Yeah, for um, sure. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit of a giraffe out there. Yeah. Um. The uh and. And I, I, I think I actually, I think I, I know that we, you and I talked about this last night, but I, and I, I know we're going to move on. We're like, we're so behind, but it's, it's, it's playoffs. Okay. It's fine. Um, but the, the thing that we had mentioned around the trade deadline and the thing that I, I had mentioned, I, th- I think you agreed with me, but I, I can't remember was about that. That that three that that three right de- right D roll and I wanted the Oilers to get another depth defenseman that has played a few games in the playoffs, um, and could really fit really well in that bottom pairing on the right side. Radko Gudas, like a guy like a Radko Gudas. Could you imagine Radko Gudas just 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 causing shit up? Just a couple. He's been doing some goon shit against the Bruins, so yeah, yeah. I could could very much imagine him. You did say that and to what I believe versus what I said, I think might be two different things, but I was just like, Hey, you never know if they think they got the guy there that can do it. They're going to keep him, and they're going to, uh, maybe the answer was in the locker room the whole time. And here we are talking about Vincent DeHarnay and it's not good stuff. So I don't know. I don't know anything about hockey is what I'm learning over the three seasons of one for one. I think odds are Jay Woodcroft um, uh, mentally reinforces his 26-year-old rookie defenseman and will play him in next game. Mentally reinforces him? Yeah, emotionally reinforces him. Yeah, okay, yeah. Him and Stu, he's going to be like, hey, boys, go back in there, eh? Yeah. It's the one thing I I absolutely love about that guy. Just no matter what, it just has his his guys' backs. 
and that, yeah, and that he's rules. a player's coach for sure. Oh, 1000%. He's a good guy. Okay. So moving on from that, a uh, couple quick little notes here. Uh, Bakersfield Condors eliminated from the playoffs, fell to the Abbots for Canucks in four games. Big gurs. Seth Griffith led the team in regular season scoring 60 points in 72 games. Raphael Lavoie had a nice little breakout this season, 45 points in 61 games. Xavier Borgo, the rookie, had 34 points in 62. Tyler Tulio, another rookie, 26 points in 63 games. Dylan Holloway, the uh, late-season addition, 10 points in 12 games. And um, very, very, very raw rookie Carter Savoy had 11 points in 44 games. I think he was also like a minus 30 on the season or minus 20. Uh, Off of his Hobie Baker season and... University of Denver? I don't think he won the Hobie Baker, but... Did Hobie get... Baker final. They won the ship, though, right? Yes, yeah, yes, they did. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I, I saw that. That was going through... When I was doing up the notes here and was putting in the stats, I was like, what the heck? What yeah. the heck is going on over there? I'm not the Bulls Brothers. Um hey, Barbie. Oh, my God. The Leafs, it's the game is now 4-2, and the Leafs are on the power play. With eight minutes left. Stop. Sorry. I'm just... Okay. Um, anyways. Uh, Dylan Holloway. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Dylan Holloway, though. Uh, Dylan Holloway and Olivier Rodriguez called up. Good for you, Ollie. Because you see... Because you see... Uh, Olivier Rodriguez and, 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 and Olivia Rodrigo. Uh, good for you <laughs> is her single. You know? Uh, <laughs> Olivier had 14 wins, 14 losses, one overtime loss, a 9-12 save percentage, and a 2.77 GAA with a pretty mid-team in front of him. Splitting time with uh, NHL journeyman Calvin Pickard, the 22-year-old QMJHL product has seen his game improve at each level. It's nice to see the kid get some exciting experience and work with pros before having the summer to implement those lessons to his game. Um you know, this is a guy that I think could be sort of similar to Stuart Skinner. Like, Stuart Skinner was drafted and was in the ECHL right out, and I was like, this guy is going to be nothing. And lo and behold, he's a uh, he's a playoff starter right now. So I, I, I'd, I'd love to see Rodrigue develop because it just adds it just adds more bullets in the chamber for this team. Um, uh, would be absolutely, really- man. And having Stuart Skinner in the NHL right now allows Rodrigue to get those Minutes in the yeah. NH- or in the HL, which is huge for his development. Kid's twenty two years old. Um, absolute slander that you said that Stuart Skinner wasn't going to do anything. Guy's a champion thoroughbred. Won a WHL championship. So I don't but know why you were ever like. I'm just saying it wasn't looking good in the AHL and ECHL for a while there. And yeah, it and, was... then he, and then he ripped. Yes. Uh, by the way, it's four three. Oh, uh, the Leafs just scored. Yeah. That's trash. Matthews has two goals in this game. I hate that stupid mustache idiot. Um. Anyway, I really like him, so that's why I can say that we're on a first name basis. Austin yeah. Matthews and I. Um. Anything else you want to talk about Oilers, or should um, we should we take a little intermission here? Just the just the last thing I wanted to say on on, on the Condors before we just close off with that. Um. I, I I don't watch Condors games, but I I see Bruce Kerlock talk about them lots on Twitter. This team needs to figure out what the hell they're going to do if they're going to be a competitive team or if they're actually trying to develop Oilers prospects because um, they have to get rid of guys. Like, they have to move on from these, like, Lucas Espositos or, like, and, like, 
freaking Jason sets. Demers. J- Jason Demers and Seth Griffith and all these. Like, give your young guys opportunity and put them in positions to just have fun. Like, I'm sorry, Bakersfield can be bad defensively. We don't fucking care. Just let them be bad. But uh, but you know what would be sick, though, is if you have all these guys down there making mistakes and having fun and developing their confidence, making them better hockey players in the process. Um, yeah, and I, I think next year, I don't know if we're going to see a veteran goaltender being brought in. I think the the, the tandem is going to actually end up being uh, Rodrigue and uh, Ryan Fanti. So a couple of young guys playing down there. A couple of young guys having some fun. Making mistakes, stopping some pucks, getting Hell some it. per diem, spending it all at the stores at the the malls at the creeks on Dan Flashes. <laughs> did you know that you know the show Nathan for you? Oh, I'm familiar. Um, when he does know... the chili in Bakersfield, <laughs> yeah, 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 that, that, yeah, that's out of Bakersfield Condors game. Yeah. I I said that when we were watching it with the boys. I was like, "Oh, there's prospect," and everyone's like, "Shut up! No one cares." <laughs> I watch the show so much. So um, good. Anyways. Yes, I think that's everything. It's been, I mean, it's been a, it's, I'm, I'm happy we're tied, but goddamn, it has been an up and down series for the Oilers. It, it, it's, it's sort of similar to the ups and downs that you go through in a relationship when you're in love. And I don't know, because I think Miles, you have to ask yourself the question, is love blind? Because let's talk about season four. It's time to talk about the experiment that's gripped the nation for the past four seasons, hosted by Vanessa and Nick Lachey, who just somehow were decided as being the like caveat of true love. I don't know how they got picked. We're going to get to Vanessa Lachey. Nolan, you finally caught up. Welcome to the land of the living. It's great. Um... Let's start right at the top. Let's go right back to the pods. Uh, initial reactions. Obviously, there's the fun of the love triangles and and people figuring out who they're into and who they're not. And it's it's kind of funny when they break up and stuff. Um, this season showed a lot more like, um, I'm going to call it like dorm time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you think of that? Um, well, one thing I will say is that it felt like it took forever to get out of the pods. I don't know if I I don't know if I'm incorrect in stating that, but it, it feels like it took like ten episodes just to get out of the pods themselves. Um, but I think that there there's some there's some just I, I was initially worried because you know how I I mean I don't know about you, but um, Taylor and I kind of go through it. You know, kind of go through this is like we like looking out for uh, we look looking out for hot people of our own gender uh, when we're watching the show. So uh, so one, one thing I look out for is like, hey, are there any hot dudes in this uh, um, on this season? Then Taylor's like, I'm looking out for hot girls in this season. And I tend to gravitate towards like, we tend to, we tend to gravitate towards the hot people. But this season um, had some people that I just like, th- not only were they beautiful, but they're also just incredibly just, just likable. And I what think what the fuck are you talking about? I, okay, I'm trying to. I have a. I have a. I have okay. a process to this. Okay, it's All like right. sorry it's for like, bothering you. It's like some like a lot of people say Shane is a good looking dude, but he's a fucking idiot. You know, but yeah. you know who's gorgeous and is just a great human being? Fucking Brett. 
Oh, dude, Brett's the best. Brett, like, and I think that we need to start off. We need to start off with easily the best relationship, and quite possibly of the entire series. Um, Brett and I don't know if you've seen the movie The House Bunny, but I kept on thinking of this the entire time. Is when I heard her name, I was started to go Tiffany, which was uh, Brett and Tiffany because uh, th- they are just dynamite couple, perfect okay. couple. Anyways. For- First yeah, and foremost, first and foremost, Lauren and uh, Cameron from season one would like a word. I no, I totally agree. But there's something. But there, even Lauren and Cameron, I think this is better than Lauren and Cameron. Well, we will we will see. But okay. they are. I, that's not to say that they weren't adorable together. Brett and Tiff, Tiffany were very very cute together, and like. It was, I, I got a really, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to jump around a little bit here. That's a better way to do it. We're going to go couple by couple. Yeah. Um, I got a good laugh out of the Brett and Tiff, uh, like previews that were going around because it's like all season they've been goals and like, so yeah. in love and so set. And then they show like the wedding preview and Brett's just <laughs> like, I don't know if I can, like today's supposed then, to be perfect. And, then, and, and it's about crying. his pants not fitting, right? <laughs> He's like, oh, I got no questions about Tiffany. It's these damn pants. And he's just like, it's. I thought that was hilarious how they edited it and how they made it seem like for the cliffhanger. But no, it's about this dude's suit, one of one suit not fitting right. And then they and then they show the clip that they show the clip of Tiffany crying and it's just she's just reading her vows. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck off. Um, no, man, it, it's, it, they were, they were no joke. They were like the perfect, they were the perfect couple. Um, they, I, I everything you could have asked for out, uh, out of a, out of a, uh, love is blind couple. Um, should we just go to the complete polar opposite right now? Yeah. I mean, if we had the best, uh, let's go to Zach and Irina. Ugh. Uh, do we even oh. consider that? A, oh yeah. Let's get to the shit couples. Let's get to the shit couples. Um, okay. Worst love is blind villains of all time. Leafs tied it up. Fuck off. Are you serious? Yep. Oh, I uh, and it was. So much. Uh, I'm trying to see who scored here. Oh, my God. Morgan Riley just chucked one from the blue line. Oh, my God. It's, a, it's an electric factory. Okay. Anyways, we're saying uh, just the shit, the, the shit of the shit couples. So let, let's talk about Zach and Irina. No, is Irina the worst love is blind villain of all time? Because let's let's start at the top of of the villains. There's Jessica in season one. Jessica was awful. I f- Jessica was tough. Yeah. Um. Season two, Shana. I guess Shayna. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Uh, season three. Would, would it technically be Cole? Cole, I guess, would be a villain. But then, um, but then the whole Zinnab thing was like she. There was there was like that clip that came out after where she basically. Oh, there was said, that guy. There was that weird, um, like. Oh, uh, Shake. Yeah, Shake was, Shake a, was the villain. Shake yeah, was but the villain. was that from last season or the season before? I that think it was, was the season, season before. Two. I think, yeah, I think yeah, it was season. That was two. with Shane because they were in Chicago. Yeah. Um, no, there uh, there was like some villains in the pods, like that Andrew guy. He was the like. I've had sex in Thailand. Right. He was yeah. weird. He wasn't yeah. a villain. He was just weird. Yeah, and didn't he meet up? Didn't he meet up with um? Oh, who was the the couple? The um, Nancy. No, it wasn't. It wasn't Nancy. It, it was, was the Nancy. no. It was the girl that uh, Jarrett was talking to. You're on season two, brother. Ayana. 
you're on yeah, t- you're you're mixing up your seasons. J- Jared and I, I thought they were season three. No, they were in Chicago. Oh, for fuck's sake! Anyways, it's fine. You're not. It's fine. I'm a super fan. Um, okay, so yeah, no, we're adding Arena to the pantheon of of Love Is Blind. Villains. Hall of Fame worthy. Hall of Fame for Jersey Barnes. retired. Wilt Chamberlain numbers for heartbreak. <laughs> so, like going back to the pods, man. I, when we were watching that, he, he you were hit with a crossroads of insanity in that yeah. episode because he has beautiful, wholesome, lovely bliss making him cupcakes for his birthday. And layup. he has it's a layup decision. How do you how do you look past that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's an absolute layup. That was the most mind-boggling shit of all time. That's the kind of stuff where it's like, I know this is scripted, but like, why did you have to run us through this? Like, why couldn't you have like that? That was insanity. If a chick ever makes you cupcakes for your birthday, like versus, oh my god, I own a business. I um, I, I own a business and I got bullied because I have acne scars. Yeah. Oh, cool like, personality. Wow, that's, a re- that's a really deep personal thing to talk about. Thank you so much. As he's talking about like his mom being a stripper and like being homeless and stuff. And she's like, yeah, I got bullied and stuff. Um, and then this other chick's making you cupcakes. Nuts. Nuts that he would do that. Zach. And she hasn't even seen you, Zach. You freaking idiot. Zach, high key idiot. Bliss, low key idiot for even giving him a chance. But I'm glad she did. I'm glad she did give him a chance because by the end of it, I, I thought they were quite cute. Yeah, and especially in the reunion, um, because even leading up to the weddings, I was kind of like, this doesn't feel... Because, like, don't get me wrong. Zach's weird. Oh, Zach's <laughs> a weird... Zach's <laughs> a weird dude. Zach is, Zach is a hard fringe guy. <laughs> Zach is a hard fringe guy. And just the way that everybody was talking shit about him throughout the whole, like, season. Like, when they, like, coupled up in Mexico, they're like, oh, I don't want to be anywhere near Zach. Like, I don't keep me as far away from him as possible. Poor guy. Um, Yeah, like, Irina, I, I just wrote a couple points here. Uh, uh, number one, terrible person. Uh, number two, mean. Uh, number three, <laughs> called Zach a cartoon character, which is really funny inherently, <laughs> but is really mean. Um, And then in the reunion, uh, blamed her terrible attitude on her mental health. And I'm yeah. like, you know, I, I we're trying to take mental health more seriously. And then she said that when Zach is trying to, like, talk to her and she put her face into a pillow, that it was because she was having a mini panic attack. And I, 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 could, couldn't, I could see right through the lies, the lies oh, yeah. and deceit on her face. She, um, she, covered I like by foundation. The, <laughs> I like the way that she got called out. Like, when Zach was straight up on the reunion, he's like, people came on this experiment to find love. You came on this experiment to get famous. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> like absolute Vince Carter put my whole in the arm in the rim Vince Carter he hung from the rim yeah he cooked her uh, Irina sucks yeah. and I really hope that like because I, I I don't know about you but when I watch Love is Blind or like Perfect Match or um, Too Hot to Handle I usually start watching it pretty early and I kind of like to watch and see how their followers like go throughout the series Mm -hmm. and Irina's like doubled she's still not over 100k oh okay that's good I can't believe that she went from like 30,000 to 60,000 because it it blows my mind that 60,000 people like want to see what this garbage bag of a person is doing yeah she's just awful she's just awful and mean and everything like 
yeah, she she just she straight up went on the show to become famous. And if she hooked up and if she got with anyone, they had to be to her sexual preference of what she of what she desired in a man. Yeah, if she would have gotten a like conventionally attractive guy. Yeah, if she would have gotten Paul, she would have been all yeah. over him. And then, oh my god, I'm so in love. He's amazing. Do we get? Do we? Do we? Do we talk about that now? And Let's they kind get... of segue this. Yeah, fuck it. We might as well. So you get the train wreck of Irina and Zach, and you're like, oh my god, no one can be worse than Irina. There's no possible way that anybody can be worse than Irina. Um, and then Love Is Blind season four says, hey, we've got two more, but we're gonna <laughs> microdose them. So Paul and Micah were were the first ones that we're going to talk about. Paul, scientist, conventionally attractive, um, like very dry sense of humor. He, he good dude to have around. What are you laughing at? I'm laughing. I'm laughing at Paul going as a scientist. Yeah, Paul's a scientist. <laughs> loves loves telling you he's a scientist. Was he the one that was talking to three two times married Amber? He was. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, they would have been a perfect match. You think they would have been a perfect match? I I think that they were. He she was exactly what he was looking for. He was. She was a better match for him than Micah was a thousand percent. Yeah, because him and Micah were such a slow burn, and they talked about they they used like slow burn in the pod so much to talk about some of these relationships it was disgusting. But <laughs> I knew Micah was bad news like right from the get go when she was between him and Kwame. And also being friends with Irina and basically treating the the retreat as if it was some little freaking uh, high school, high school. slumber party. Yeah. yeah, that should have. You know what? You're right. That was the red flag. The fact that she was friends with like like was friendly with Irina. Friends with literal Satan. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um yeah and and then it's yeah and then like you mentioned the whole Kwame situation and this and this then stretches into when they first get to was it Mexico they went to and they and they go to that pool party which is it is it a hot take to say that the pool party is the best episode not at all because that's when all the shit comes up like that's when all the like old feelings and first time they're meeting each other and that's two seasons in a row Two seasons in a row where one of the guys have been drunk at the party and been like, other chick's hotter. Like, (laughs) (laughs) which just makes for good TV. Cole just coming in. You know what, Zinub? I think Colleen's hotter. (laughs) Yeah. In the real world? That's my type. (laughs) That's the kind of girl I'd go for. Which, I mean, you kind of have to commend Cole (laughs) for just being straight up. Cole... Cole, we're not talking season three. We're talking season four. I'm sorry. Cole was a uh, shit like- heel. Cole was a shit heel, but he's kind of like grown on me as time has went on. I'm I'm team Cole in Hell that yeah. situation. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, um, brother. Okay, so uh, okay, yeah. Uh, so freaking uh, Micah flirting it up with Kwame while Chelsea's looking on. Chelsea, uh, uh, just a a lovely lady. Um, I, I get a reeks of desperation. Yeah. I get a, <laughs> Sorry. I get, a, I get a little bit of crazy vibes from her, but, um, a little, she sleeps with her baby blanket, bro. Are you fucking kidding me? She has all pink appliances and sleeps with her baby blanket and you get a little bit of crazy vibes. <laughs> Do we talk about the Calvin Klein photo shoot? Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, you're a little bit... Okay, I'm not done with Micah yet. I'm not done with Micah yet. <laughs> okay, go on. 
Are we timing this? Like, we gotta be. No, we're like an hour and a half recording already. Oh my god. Okay, so people are getting a good app anyway. So all time bitch move, and I don't like using the term bitch to describe women because I feel like that's not very progressive. Yeah, and I feel like that's not very nice to say. Yeah, shout out but, our queens. But Mike is a bitch. Oh, An all-time bitch yeah. move was when she was at the pool uh, and was like, let's do a shot together. Cheers to a failed engagement. Like, that is the most sadistic, twisted shit you could say to somebody. Especially because, like, I feel like at that point, Kwame did like her more. Oh, 100%. He yeah, was still, he was like, more, getting he was over her. more attracted to her. And getting over, like, the emotional side of it, too. So yeah. for her to, like recognize that see that and play on that is like horrendous high school shit yeah she's just poking the dog that's all that's all she's doing you're sorry poking the bear she's just poking the boar yeah and she wanted a reaction out of kwame and she got exactly what she wanted and then kwame unfortunately gave in and it turned into something way more than it needed to and the uh the little bit of crazy chelsea (laughs) looked on from a distance (laughs) and was not too happy um okay so obviously they said or um micah and paul said no yeah well how much of that do you think was the was because of the swamp donkey shelby micah's friend so well i think we're bearing the lead on the real question which was when micah told paul to go first do you think micah was going to say yes no neither did i yeah, she wanted to be the like victim. I got left at the altar. Yeah, and no, because then this way nobody can like everybody's going to speculate on it, but nobody's going to know except for her what yeah. she's really going to say. She's the she's she's the second best gaslighter of this season. Who's number one? Oh, you know who I'm going number one. Fucking evil extraordinaire, Jackie. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait to get into that one. Uh, uh, yeah, but, like. Sorry, one more thing about like Micah being a bitch. Shut you me. can tell she sucks. Yeah. Because of the people she hangs out with. Because like if like, oh, okay, well, she met people in the pods and Irina was the only one that she connected with, and that's who she decided to be friends with, whatever, you know, you can give her a pass on that. But in the real world, you meet her actual friends and mm-hmm. they're like the worst, most controlling, horrendous, toxic people you've ever met. It's like, okay, I'm sensing a pattern here. It's that whole like idea where it's like, if you meet one asshole in the day, they're the asshole. If you meet yep. assholes all day, you're the asshole. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, your vibe attracts your tribe. I firmly believe that Paul knew he was ending it the moment he met Shelby. <laughs> you think a guy that's a, like, is that intelligent isn't, thinking about that he's doing quantum physics in his head while shelby's speaking <laughs> he's the meme of that lady like looking at the math equation above her head he's the he's the meme of alan in the hangover with all the equations going, <laughs> yeah, going full rain man mode <laughs> and he's just like yeah no we are done yeah this is over i'm really going to enjoy the next two weeks though i'm really going to enjoy the next two weeks though is what he said yeah yeah it's um yeah i i just i it just it just seemed it just seemed filled from the get go. I I do love how the show tried to like almost position you into believing that this is going to be a real thing by them forging their own rings and oh, stuff. And yeah, like, I fell for that, dude. Like I was we, like, their 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 goals. It's like we we all know we all know what's happening here. Um, okay. Kwame and Chelsea. 
Yeah, Kwame and Chelsea, I, I, I still firmly, like, and I know that Kwame has addressed these things. He addressed it in the reunion as well as on Instagram. Um, but uh, the even on their wedding day, it seemed like Kwame still didn't really want to marry Chelsea. <laughs> like, even in that sort of post-wedding interview where yeah. she's like, You're my husband. And he's like, he's like you're my wife. It's like, <laughs> <"Ugh." laughs> yeah. Kind of gives me a little bit of a nick. Um so I mean, you know what? Good for them. It, it seems like it seems like both of them are happy. Um, their their condo is so sick. Oh yeah, the one that they showed in the, and so they they must both be making a nice little dual income there. I guess she's what a a, a speech a child speech therapist or something like that. Yeah, speech pathologist. That's oh, big bucks. That's oh, big yeah. money. So yeah. she's a smart gal. Like she went to school for a while to become a speech yeah. pathologist. Like shout shouts out to the the smart queens making it in the world on their own yeah also chelsea okay i gotta just quickly preface chelsea on love is blind because my sister's name is chelsea and i don't like <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to cross the beams here uh but um very very horny <laughs> yeah like holy smokes i don't think i've ever seen a hornier love is blind contestant oh dude it's i always get a kick out of it like when they go to mexico and they like meet each other and they're like posed up on the bed doing the like individual interviews and she's like kwame and i got to know each other really well dude and it's like if you couldn't read between the lines enough there we had a great night Dude. If you couldn't read, sorry, one more time. Yeah. If you couldn't read between those lines, she's like, I can't walk today. Like, she just <laughs> led you down the road of like, we banged. Dude, we've, we we missed the, the best, like, the number one all-time love is blind sex thing, which was we got a boner shot of Brett. Yeah, <laughs> Brett's boner <laughs> yeah. when he was grabbing her ass. Yeah. That was insane. <laughs> that was soft core porn. <laughs> Like, I saw that. I saw that Taylor and I were watching. Taylor looked down at her phone for a second, and I went, "Whoa!" <laughs> I rewound a little bit, and and I was like, "Taylor, they just showed Brett's boner," and she's like, "No, they didn't." And I like, I I I rewound it and played it again. She's like, "Oh my god!" I can't. But if I was like Brett or Tiffany, I don't like. I don't know how much say they have over that, but like that was invasive. Yeah, but I mean, it could be a worse look. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like he could have a small hammer. I mean, he 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 could be. He could, uh, you know, oh, <laughs> could be still not as not horny so as Chelsea. Hot. Yeah, no, still not as horny as Chelsea. Um, okay. So yeah, their photo shoot was nuts. The wedding, the photo shoot was insane. I fucking hate that dog, Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> no, what a fucking shit rat. Yeah. That- <laughs> That that's a woman that's defined by her dog. She's kind of um, got a little bit of Lauren McDavid action. Or, yeah, sorry, Lauren Kyle action. Lauren Kyle action, especially when he yeah. like met her mom's family, and it's just like, oh, let's casually have dinner in this multi million dollar house that's like directly on a large body of water in Seattle. Like that house had to be like two three million bucks. Yeah, so I think we're I think we've come to the assumption that uh, Chelsea definitely comes from money. Yeah, Chelsea got the bag with it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, She's probably dating a freaking Seattle Seahawk at some point. She's dating, like, Derek Coleman. Sean Alexander. Yeah. Well, not quite. She would have been, like, 12 years old when Sean Alexander was playing in the NFL. Yeah, that's some, that's some Carl Malone shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, some yeah. Lawrence Taylor shit. Um, 
yeah so yeah. anyways i wasn't um, expecting them to get married if i'm gonna be honest with you but i will say come the reunion episode i like them together yes they look um yeah it, it's it definitely seems like kwame is a little bit more uh he's he's a little bit more calm and i love that i love that he was willing to address the whole pool situation and he was kind of like i know i screwed up and i learned from this and yeah. i think that it's ultimately made us stronger and it's like that really warms my heart um Okay. Speaking of people who have not learned, do you want to? Uh, do you want me to? Do you, do you want me to go ISO on this one? Yeah, dog. I don't think I have, and I hate Irina, but something about my lack of respect for Jackie is hard to describe. This woman absolutely drives me insane so she's in the pods and she's in this sort of pseudo love triangle but the choice is obvious the choice is obvious from the get-go is she's had issues with with dating which is she always goes for the tough uh the tough dude with tattoos kind of gives her attitude and kind of makes her feel like shit in a way and here comes along this nice, sensitive guy with beautiful eyes and is very nice to her in Marshall. And Marshall comes and, and, and he makes her feel good about herself and does everything in his power to make her happy and feel good about their relationship. And what happens? Uh, Josh decides to pull a little, oh, uh, if you're into Marshall, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm just going to go home because I'm not talking to anybody else and tries to pull this mental, this mental war warfare bullshit. Um, so lo and behold, she picks Marshall. What immediately happens once they get to Mexico? Well, she has a mental breakdown, which is totally normal. Totally, totally like it, it happens. It happens to people at the worst of times. And you know what? It's about how you rebound from it. And it really goes to show how your partner is going to adapt to that situation. And what does Marshall do? The nicest person on earth is nothing but supportive, wants to help her, wants to give her her space if needed. He wants to do everything to make her happy. And they get through Mexico. Everything's fine. Fast forward, they finally get to Seattle, and it seems like it seems like they're 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 doing okay. And then all of a sudden, she starts thinking about things again. She's like, you know, I've 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 had a little bit more, you know, I'm 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 a little bit more stressed out again about like meeting your family and you meeting my family and yada yada yada. And um, and then it turns into she says to him one day that you're not that that I need you to be more aggressive. And but says it in a very demeaning way to Marshall, where he kind of gets like a little bit peeved because it's like you're asking me. And so then it starts this whole conversation about like about her wanting him to be more toxic like she's used to. And you know what? My message to Jackie is, is um, you always went for bad boys. Maybe there's a reason why you haven't had a successful relationship in your life. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe a little bit of change of pace for, for a really nice guy who genuinely loves you, uh, would go a long way. She, he makes her this incredible breakfast and is so nice to her and yada, yada, yada. And what does she do? She, she, she treats him like shit over that thing. And then Marshall wants to talk about it. She denies talking to him about it. And then what does she do? She meets Josh at, um, 
at uh, Chelsea's birthday and then breaks it off with Marshall so she can be with Josh and does it all behind Marshall's back. And then, then to add insult to injury, Josh and uh, uh, Josh and Jackie show up on the reunion over video just to speak to Vanessa. They are too coward to actually show up and speak to Marshall directly, and that is e- easily the worst part about the about about her whole character and about everything that she stands for. She is a gaslighter. Everything is on her terms. Um, she's a terrible taste in men. I just I I completely despise this woman. Yeah, she was a scumbag. She was like very, very hard to watch, and her villain arc in that season was incredible. Uh, and, and I was cheering for her along the way. way. Like I was yeah, seriously I thought, cheering for her. Well, like because Marshall was a sweetheart. Like Marshall, and I will say the friendships of this season amongst the dudes oh. seem the most genuine. Like Zach and Paul, boys. Like they got yeah. each other. They're both like kind of weird, smart dudes. There, and they got each other. Uh, Brett and Marshall, two like genuinely supportive dudes for each other. Awesome to see. We love to see healthy male friendship, but we don't like to see toxic relationship behavior. And that's exactly what we got to see from Jackie the whole season. You kind of summed it up pretty well. She sucked. She was brutal. There's been lots of stuff on TikTok of he said, she said um, about her and Marshall and different things supporting Marshall and then her defending herself and saying some outrageous shit. And then Marshall finally giving a little bit more to he's, he's been very respectful. And even in the reunion, he was super respectful and was basically just like, can we move on? I don't want to deal with this anymore. Where like Jackie and Josh were like, yes. And then Marshall wanted the ring back so he could give it to another girl. Like they were trying to start more shit to get the gas off of them and put it back on Marshall. And it's just like, it's doing the um uh it's doing the I don't want to talk about this but this happened. Yeah. Yeah, so, I it's, I hate that shit. They're so horrible. Toxic. They're horrible. They deserve each other. Have fun Josh and Jockey Jockey uh especially with Josh's like weird cauliflower ears. Oh man, he was so drunk when he showed up to Chelsea's birthday. Oh, that was incredible. <laughs> I'm surprised like um I guess he's like a boxer or a fighter or something so I mean I oh. guess why Mar- I get why Marshall didn't hit him but like Marshall should have hit him yeah that's some C- CTE energy you don't want to end up with a highball <laughs> glass of the head he do got that Antonio Brown in him though hey <laughs> yeah. he's gonna be showing his dick on a snapchat yeah, story he's got, he's got dick at public pool energy and that is <laughs> not what you want um okay so We've covered most of the couples. Are there any couples you want to talk about, or do you want to just go straight to Vanessa? Let's go to the head, to the okay. head of the table. <laughs> the head of the head Hydra. Can we, can I start? Of course. With how you did your ISO ball on Jackie? Do it. Go off, King. So I've got some very good friends that we watch Love is Blind and talk about it together in our, in our group chat, and we're the brunch squad. So shout out to friend of the show, Bruins fan Ben. And I am. Um, my friend Kate, I remember the story of when I lost my keys and locked myself out of the house and had yes. to sleep at Kate's after Greek yep. night. Mm-hmm. Good person. Good friend. Um, so we were talking in the chat and Kate brought it up and it's something that I didn't really like clue in. Like I noticed it in the reunion episode, but I didn't realize how bad it was until she said it. What the fuck is up with Vanessa Lachey's obsession with asking heterosexual couples when they're going to have kids. I was going to say this. I'm really happy you said it. Like, Is that not the most invasive question ever to ask? One, 
these people are like a wide range of ages. Like Tiffany and Brett are 36 and 35. Yeah. Two, these people haven't been together for that long. They haven't known each other that long. They met each other and got married in a month. Let them enjoy their time together, getting to know each other before they bring a child into the world. But like with all the infertility issues and stuff like that, that couples face and like the issues with conception, it is so like backward i think that that's something that's kind of been highlighted a little bit more in the past like five six years is just like the issues that people have with conception and how it's like not a funny joke to say like april fools we're pregnant because like you know that's something that a lot of couples really struggle Mm -hmm. with and like it's not a joking matter so it's super invasive and not fair or correct or right for vanessa lachey to ask you know, nine times in a reunion episode yeah. when they're going to have the first love is blind baby. Like chill the fuck out. You weird, weird woman. Two, two questions. You don't, you don't ask a woman is when are you having kids and how far along are you? Yeah. Like just, just, just don't ask about pregnancy. Just don't ask no. about, unless, unless you're like friends with them and you know that they're pregnant or you know that they're having trouble having kids and, and, and you want to talk to them about that. Don't ask people about pregnancy. It's just a bad idea. What did we learn from our good buddy Slater Cuckoo? You like stop commenting on people's weight. It's uh-huh, friggin' weird. Yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Commenting on people's weight and birth status or pregnancy status and conception abilities super awkward, super weird. Vanessa Lachey, Vanessa Lachey sucks. Secondly, her little frenemy interview that she had with Jackie and Josh was disgusting journalism yep Yep. it's it's like the most one-sided shit you it's it's uh it's tantamount to fox news interviewing the my pillow guy (laughs) (laughs) just the way though that she was like jackie and josh so nice to see you we love you yeah Yeah, you guys look so happy it's like yeah this is like literally josh is a homewrecker yeah and then she's like and Marshall, I'm going to ask you all these questions in succession because I don't want you to forget any of them. And she's just like up there fucking stirring the pot, cackling over the cauldron like a Halloween witch. She sucked. And I'm glad that she's getting getting shat on for this because she and was ruthless in that. And not good ruthless. No. We talk about ruthless yeah. as a positive adjective. She was ruthless like horrendously as a as as a host in that. I don't think Nick Lachey talked once. No, he just sat there and just kind of like nodded his head and was like, you're doing great, sweetie. Brutal. Brutal. Yeah. yeah, I know. I just, yeah. I, I think it's time. I think like that show is genius, but it's in need of a bit of an overhaul with regards to its, to its hosts. Mm-hmm. I think they need a little bit tighter of a casting process because that was another one of the issues in this season, right? Like Brett and Kwame both lived in Portland which is a significant <laughs> amount of time away from Seattle. And Micah lived in Arizona for half the year. I, I know that this is going to sound a little embarrassing, but I was listening to a podcast about Love is Blind, uh, about like about this season. And they had mentioned that um, that the whole work from home aspect actually added kind of a really cool element to everything because it was like it made it easier for certain people to be able to like leave their homes and be able to relocate. So it, oh, okay. it did make things a little bit more interesting. But... Um, you know, you know who I would actually suggest to host uh, next season. Who? Lauren and Cameron. Oh, that would be really nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
Ah, it would and it wouldn't. Like obviously it would be great to see too like the it works, like look at us, but I don't know if they have the showmanship for it. But you don't need a lot of a lot of showmanship for Love This Blind hosting. The only one I would be worried about would be Cameron cuz Cameron's really awkward. Oh, and he'd super be like, awkward. He'd be like he'd be like, "Uh, hey guys, um so you guys are going to go into the pods right now and um you know, this is where I met my wife and uh we're really happy oh, well. now." All while gently stroking Lauren's arm, like <laughs> oh, I continuously. forgot about his weird, his weird, his weird arm touches. Yeah, he was he was the most touchy feely motherfucker of all time. <laughs> he was he was to touching and feeling uh, as Chelsea was to saying, "Babe, <gasps> babe, babe." Um, no, I so I I mean another one that I think could be kind of interesting because they do have quite a bit of charisma is Amber and Barnett. They're a little wacky. But also in a fun way, where I think that um, I think that there's an interesting uh, there's an interesting conversation to be had to be had around like the type of girl like the type of girl that Barnett would have be it would have been into like Jessica, and instead he ended up getting married to Amber, who was really not really his type. Yeah, that so. would be a really cool way to go about it too. Um, I think that they would be more like lively as hosts than Lauren and, and Cameron would. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They could just go completely like out the window and have like another famous celebrity couple that's been married for a while. I Jennifer don't know. I Lopez and Ben Affleck. Let's oh, go. There you go. That's a that's a goals right there. That's a very that's a very large salary for those two. <laughs> they can't afford that. Yeah, there's a reason they got Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees. And, they weren't and, trying to pay, break the bank. I can't remember. Um, I actually can't remember if Nick Lachey. Hold on, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna do a quick Google. I promise we're gonna be done with Love Is Blind. We'll quickly go over the playoff preview. Or we'll go over the playoffs quickly, and then we'll and we'll be done with this. Um, trying to remember here. Okay. Um, they were separating, and then. Okay. Yeah. So I I because I initially thought that him and Vanessa met while he was married to Jessica Simpson, but that was not the case. There is a really funny thing that's going around on TikTok right now, and it's Nick and Vanessa in 2001 at the MTV Movie Awards, where there are like video awards, some shit. Either way, it's Vanessa and Nick, and um, she's like, all right, Nick, tell us who's next. And he's like, now introducing my beautiful wife, Jessica Simpson. Simpson. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, by the way, Le- uh, Leafs won. In overtime? Yep. You make me sick. Well, that's a perfect time to segue into catching up around the NHL. Let's get oh. you caught up on how the uh, how the playoffs are going. What some of the other series around the uh, the league are doing. So why don't we start with the Eastern Conference, Nolan? Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to go <laughs> one for one? Second time we said that the joke this episode, or do you? Is there a specific series that you want to talk about because you've been watching the heck out of it? You know what? I I'll be honest. I have not been able to watch much hockey overall besides the Leaf games, just because I've been in like rooms that people are watching the game in. So I I really haven't been able to watch much of these games. And also, I've I've gone to quite a few movies the last little bit and watched quite a few movies. So it's been there's been a a lot of stuff going on needless to say such an imax kind of night oh my god it's always an imax kind of night it's actually a it's actually a, a, a large popcorn from the landmark cinemas and a dive bark kind of night 
Diaparks got it. <laughs> okay, so I have been watching a lot of the playoff series. Um, very fortunate that a number of friends uh, support the show and are, are hockey fans in their own right. So a couple good buddies are, are big Bruins fans. So let's look at the Florida Panthers versus Boston Bruins. Were they they weren't playing tonight? Were they? That's tomorrow. Yeah, they're the same night as the Oilers. So they are up three one. They being the Bruins, the Bruins wagon keeps a rolling along as they are up three one and look to close things out Wednesday night at home. Game one, Bruins three, Panthers one. Game two, Panthers six, Bruins three. Game three, Bruins four, Panthers two. Game four, Bruins six, Panthers two. Nolan, mm-hmm. do they close it out in five? the Panthers have looked really bad. <laughs> so I would say, I think they do. You were right um, I, though about, you were I right about them, them going back. You were right about them going back to Bobrovsky. They did go back to Bobrovsky after the Alex Lyon experiment uh, seemed to have uh, played its course. The Bruins are also doing all of this while Patrice Bergeron is out. He's got an upper body injury and Tyler Bertuzzi has six points in four games. Like, yeah. He, he's freak mode buzzing. They've been really good, and they haven't shown any of that like president's trophy curse shit going on at all. Like they've looked so good. So, um, I, I I was a little bit nervous there in game two when I saw like the the Panthers train started rolling, and I was like, "Holy shit, is this actually happening?" Uh, and then the Bruins responded like professionals in in game three and just handed it to him. Had a good game. So, yeah, I had the Bruins. I think I had the Bruins in five, and it, I re- I really think they're gonna do it. They're kicking. They're kicking badonky donk. Yeah. Um I mean there's 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 not much else you can say. Like they just they just look really good. And Linus Olmark is playing out of his mind. Um they just they look completely unstoppable. So it's great to see. Um should we move on to the Leafs and Lightning series? Take it, it's yours. Um okay, so uh, Leafs are up now 3-1 in the series. Uh bunting suspension in game one, Leafs lucky OT with in game three, Asterix win if the Leafs do it with Hedman and Cernak both missing time. Uh, point now hurt too, but point was obviously back tonight. Game one, Lightning took 7-3. Game two, Leafs took 7-2. Game three, Leafs took 4-3 in overtime. Game four, Leafs took 5-4 in overtime. They just won now, so uh, you got a bit of a live reaction. Um, 3-1 in the series. It'd be a shame if they blew it, but um, <laughs> I think that Tampa's got one more in them at least. So oh, I yeah. I had Tampa in, or I sorry I had Leafs in six, and I think that we're gonna see Leafs in six. Yeah, I I still think I'm still sticking with Tampa in seven, man. I don't I don't I don't I don't trust this Leafs team. You think they're gonna? Can we talk? Huh? Gonna be on their rat shit. Oh yeah, they're always on their rat shit. Um, speaking of rat shit, Luke Shen. What he said to Pat Maroon. Yeah. So Luke Shen, if you haven't seen the clip going around, is is beacon over the bench at the Lightning. And he says to Pat Maroon, by the way, Pat Maroon, a guy who's been who's won three of the past four Stanley Cups. Um, and he leans over the bench and he's uh, and Luke Shen says to him, You're irrelevant. And you can see Brandon Hagel make the most confused face of all time. And he goes, He's irrelevant? 
And then he kind of looks back and forth. He goes, what the fuck? And he goes and skates <laughs> away. So funny because, yeah, Luke Shen, you might be playing a little bit better in, in Toronto than you were in Vancouver, and you might be a part of that team helping them out on a little bit of a playoff run here. But you are you were irrelevant for so long, man. You don't get to say that. Yeah, and, and Luke Shen is technically a Stanley Cup champion with the Lightning those those two years but like let's be honest like pat maroon was a critical part of both of those teams cup runs so um yeah let's let's humble yourself a little bit there luke you were a critical popcorn eater um nolan this is a tough uh, popcorn no like um Luke Shen, because he was a, he was a, he was an h bomb for so much of it he was no, just eating popcorn no i know i said landmark popcorn yeah yeah at the imax not IMAX popcorn. Uh, Nolan, this one, kind of want you to do, to be honest, because uh, I just want to hear it. I just want to hear straight from the source. <sighs> Islanders versus Hurricanes. It's Carolina's 3-1. The jerks are rolling. Good for everyone except me. Canes are looking to end it. Uh, game one, Canes, Canes took 2-1. Game two, Canes took 4-3. Um, was that the one with the controversial non-high stick call? I think it was. I don't remember. I, I don't. I don't watch the Eastern Conference champion Tampa oh. uh, New York Islanders. <laughs> game three, uh, Islanders took five one. There you go. They showed some life. Game four, Canes took five two. Um, yeah. I, I, as much as I, I, as much as I still think that there is a chance that they could stretch us up to seven, it seems like it's likely that the Canes are probably going to finish them off in five. So. Hey. Yeah, Love to see game. that. Looks good for old Uncle Miles. All right, here's one that is also looking good for old Uncle Miles. This one's pretty breaking as well. Uh, New Jersey Devils versus New York Rangers. It is tied up 2-2. Two to two. Experience had looked to be the difference maker so far in the series' first two games, but the Devils look to have life in them now. Can they keep it up and make a series of it, or will the Rangers respond and put them on life support? Game 1, Rangers 5, Devils 1. Game 2, Rangers 5, Devils Devils one game three devils two rangers one in overtime game four devils win three to one so yeah man those two games at msg um especially that first game holy dina the rangers came out hot and had the had the had the devils just shit in their pants looked like they were scared looked like they had never played a hockey game before um and the rangers were absolutely rolling game three it looked like the devils kind of got lucky and managed to squeak one out and then tonight from the scores i've seen and, and some of the stuff on twitter it looks like the devils played a little bit more of a of an even game i watched game one and game two until they kind of became runaways and then i stopped so i haven't really seen this series from like a pro devils perspective i've only seen it from from um, like rangers runaway type of shit mm-hmm um, yeah, I, I haven't been able to watch very much of this series, so I, I wouldn't be able to give you a, a very thorough analysis on it, but, um, I'm just, it's cool that the, it's cool that the devils are showing life. And really NYR cool Nick is like ready to just, <laughs> just shut it down. Uh, Winnipeg Jets versus the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Golden Knights are up 2-1 in the series. Uh, the Jets shocked the world in game one. And Vegas did Vegas shit in game two, and then game three was a battle that took two overtimes. Uh, game one, Jets won 5-1. Game two, the Knights won 5-2. And in game three, the Vegas Golden Knights won 5-4 in double overtime off of a Michael Amadio goal. Um, this has been, uh, yeah, give a, little, give, a little, give a little Italian hands there. Um, the the Jets looked like a dominant team in the first game. It's actually it was actually kind of nuts, like how good they looked. Um, 
But the Golden Knights have just gotten their shit together, and they just they look like the Vegas Golden Knights that we all know and hate. So um, Jack Eichel finally, I believe he scored in what was it, game two? Uh, so he got has he has his first playoff goal. Uh, Mark Stone is back and healthy, looking really good. Um, they're going to be a tough out. They're going to be a really tough out. For sure. I, I've been really, I've watched um, two, pretty much two whole games of this series. And I've been honestly really impressed with how Winnipeg's played. Even in that 5-2 game, they showed a lot of heart. And the goals that kind of went in on them were end of the game. Like, we don't give a fuck kind of energy from from the Jets, which is not how you want to close out a game. But um, I, I've been pretty impressed with with how they've looked. They've, they've been pretty fun to watch. Um, I hate Rick Bonus. I hate Mark Shifley. I hate so many players on the Jets. I do not want to see them win, but it is nice to see them making a series of it because I I thought the the Knights were just gonna ground them. Absolutely, it, it's it, it's turned out a hell of a lot better than Jets fans could have hoped for, and also it's really cool to see the whiteout again. It is, yeah, that's a big part of you know what I'll give those those fans in Winnipeg a little bit of credit. The whiteout is nasty. It's, yeah. it's steezy. Speaking of nasty, holy Diana, Seattle Kraken versus Colorado Avalanche. Avs are currently leaving, leading this series 2-1. to one. They are playing game four right now where Seattle is up 2-0. The Kraken shocked the world and took game one, but it looks like Colorado woke up and have this one hand, handled pretty cleanly until they don't. Game one, Seattle 3-1. Game two, Avalanche 3-2. Game three, Avalanche 6-4. And as mentioned, 2-0 Kraken right now in game four. I was not expecting Seattle to be as veteran led as they are. And they look like a decent playoff team. Uh, If they're able to take this one tonight, this series honestly could go either way. I still think that the Natron effect is going to come into factor here. Like you saw in game three um, where Natron had two goals and just did freak shit. But Mm -hmm. I'm really impressed with how Seattle's been playing. Yeah. And I mean, in that game too, it was looking like uh, it was like it was looking like Brandon Tanev was going to be a bit of the uh, was going to be the whipping boy after that game because after believe the the uh, the Kraken went up two nothing in the game and then he blew the kiss to the crowd. Yep. And then the Avalanche proceeded to put their foot on the Seattle Kraken's neck. So um, cool to see a nice little bounce back for uh, from Philip Grubauer as well. Uh, he's had a really tough start to his Seattle career, but has looked pretty good in this uh in this revenge series against the Colorado Avalanche. So cool to see uh for uh, I mean I'd love to see Seattle knock off Colorado and I I don't know if you saw but uh McKinnon was actually asked about it and he said this is the f- hardest first round matchup that they've ever had. Well, shout out he would know. I mean, he's been part of the team since they've had actual success in the playoffs. So shout out to to McCarr and I mean shout out to Seattle. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a really freaking like that's a really difficult uh that's a really difficult you know opponent to 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 really give a hell of a fight to. I mean, I remember that I remember that Colorado team playing that um playing that first place Calgary team a few years ago. Oh my god. I was actually thinking about that today. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking like, about that series. Cuz like the Flames were really good last year but they were also really good that year that they were they losing 5 to Colorado yeah. that one Mike year. Mike Smith year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So I. Uh, you know what, man? If Seattle manages to pull this out, um, they might have a pretty easy road to the 
to the Western Conference final because like it looks like Minnesota and Dallas are literally going to kill each other. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, it, I'm it, not it, even kidding. Like there someone might die in that series. Yeah, it, it it's it's seriously looking like that. Um friggin' like uh uh Dean Evison looks like he's out for blood in these games, man. Like he, wow. and uh, if you watch a lot of his press conferences, he's just I I was actually listening to a podcast today and and they were talking about how um they think that he, like Dean Evison looks like a villain in in like a 90s movie, which is very true. Like he looks like he could be like an evil principal or something like that. <laughs> Uh, bloodbath. Pavelski changing the game once again by getting his head smashed in in the playoffs. Stay tuned to see how this one shakes out. Game one, Minnesota won three, two in two overtimes. Game two, the Stars won seven to three. Game three, the Wild won five one. In game four, the Stars won three to two. Funny story: Ramus Winston actually texted the boys group chat, and he's like, "Really good day to put money on Dallas. Dallas won." And then I was like, "Dude, like." awesome awesome bet like you're a really smart guy and he's like yeah good thing i didn't put any money down (laughs) (laughs) so he's just the oracle with the picks but he doesn't put his own money so funny anyway hope you're enjoying orlando king but um there's also that whole thing too with um we mentioned a little bit earlier but um marcus felino put it i i didn't watch the play again but i i I, like i saw the hit but i don't know like what the outcome of or what the outcome was of it um besides the fact that um the dallas stars were able to win the game yesterday but there was a pretty brutal call in that game and that was actually the same officiating crew that that did the stars wild game last night was the same officiating crew that did um that did uh Oilers Kings game three with stick gate. Oh. So wow, so those guys are trash goblins. Yeah. Um you're being nice though, because Felino said that both of those calls were quote bullshit. Yeah. So yeah. Speaking a little more candidly. Uh this is a series that I'm like really interested in. I'm really invested in. I'm like always checking to see what the score is, but I'm not gonna watch a single game of it. <laughs> I'm interested, but I'm not. Yeah, no, like I care so much and it like is really important, but I don't, I'm not going to watch. <laughs> Which is completely fair. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. no, I'd rather watch a Jays game. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm actually just looking at, I'm, I don't know why, but I'm currently fascinated by the 1819 Calgary Flames right now. Oh my Sean, God. Sean Monahan had, had, Sean had 82 points that season. Was that? So that must have been before his hips went golden retriever mode and just disintegrated. Yeah, and Johnny Gaudreau had 99 points in 82 games. Um, yeah, man, that was a really good team. Holy shit. DR, 13 goals, 38 points. That's uh, that's the Flames team that made uh, Flames fan Kyle so cocky. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, that was before I knew Flames fan Kyle, so I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't know from the experience. So that's before me and him were like good buddies. We were just like buddy adjacent, and I remember like him being drunk and being like Flames. And then when the Flames <laughs> lost to the Abs in five, I was like, ah. um, and those I, are exactly the noises that were made. The last thing I want to say before we before we close off this uh, this whole uh, this whole episode really is. Um, a little bit of a problematic thing with Derek Ryan. Uh, I forgot that he aligned himself with uh, Bill Peters <laughs> because he followed Bill Peters to Calgary. <laughs> kind of oh. a kind of a tough dude to to align yourself with. 
Yeah, you may notice that in the highlight package, we didn't uh, wax poetically about him being hardworking um, or being a Carhartt king. We just called him the sister wives guy. So if you're confused by that, search up Derek Ryan on Instagram. Just check it out. Yeah. Nothing wrong, with, nothing wrong with loving the Lord, but yeah. Yeah. Just, just check it out. Yeah. A little Get bit back of a, to me on that. A little bit of an odd duck, but we still, <laughs> we still stand a, uh, a, a, a five foot 11 hundred year old king. We're going to find somebody else to make a good bit about, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, you know what else I'm really looking forward to, Nerland? Two games of Oilers hockey on Sportsnet. Two games of Oilers hockey on Sportsnet. Game five, pivotal game five. Tomorrow, Tuesday, April 25th. Uh, hopefully the Epps live for that. What's that? Episode should be live for that? Yeah. Oh yeah, so you got y'all are y'all are going to be sitting at home, you're going to be listening or sitting at home or the office, you're going to be listening to this, you're going to be getting all primed up for game 5. And then game 6 Nolan had God I hope in brackets, which I have put confirmed per Zach Saturday, <laughs> April 29th. Game 7 TBD. Nolan, nothing like four games in between uh in between playoff or four days in between playoff games. Oh, it's the, the NHL needs to yeah. get punched in the noggin. Classic um, Gary classic gary such a classic gary kind of day <laughs> two games i need a little prediction oh, from you no. you're making me do this i'm making you do this i'm ready to be hurt let's close it off in six they ended in la i like that shit because i'm the i think it's kobe bryant it's like the gif of him where he's walking by the camera and he's like it's over it's over like and he's going the, no that was actually vince carter vince okay that's it in the dunk yeah. contest yeah, yeah you're right yeah i'm not a basketball guy i won't claim to be a basketball guy that's but okay. uh but yeah that's you. exactly that's the gif i'm referencing exactly so that that's what that's what conrad mcdervinson's gonna do after they pipe him up in game five and then they're gonna close it out in six at crypto.com business trip completed i want to see the Ro- the Rogers crowd go absolutely nuts in Game Five. I want to see absolutely them, blow the top off. I want to see them assault uh, Drew Doughty on the way out of the like on the way to the bus, like not like physically assault, but like close <laughs> verbally abuse him. Yeah, like I want him to have to say something like on behalf of the LA Kings organization and like blah 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 management team, like what the fans at Rec- or at Rogers were doing was a little <laughs> bit too much. Like I want him to have to issue a statement because I want those rowdy Berta boys to just ruffle him up a little bit. I was gonna make a really off color joke that would be very topical to to the game of hockey right now, but I I, I can't. I don't have the strength in me. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know what I would really love to see? I'd love to see the Oilers just absolutely crush the Kings in one of these games, like a, like a six, one win. Yeah. Like a, like a four goal Evander kind of night. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't even have to be Evander at this point. I'd settle for just about anyone. I'd settle. I'd settle for a Devin Shore kind of night. Careful what you freaking wish for. <laughs> um, top line DS. <laughs> jay woodcroft we're taking your toys away i was gonna say nolan anything else you want to say but you have lost speaking privileges with that one so this will conclude season three episode 22 of the one for one podcast it has been a wild playoff ride of oilers hockey the highs the lows the 
the the drinks and the bros. We're looking forward to the next two games. One for one podcast, hot takes, hotter listeners. Go Oilers, go. Go Oilers, go.